Welcome to the Gary Zone. It's Winter WRPG. This is our first episode covering Baldur's Gate 2, one of my all-time favorite games, and uh, hope you are ready for gushing. Um, you guys like gushing? That's how you got here, the result of an errant Google. Um, if you do like this show, uh, this episode goes out to you, uh, especially if you're one of our patrons. If you go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, uh, you can join in on the fun. You get to hear episodes early. You get a bunch of cool extra stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, so please consider doing so. And uh, yeah, and also mark your calendars, December 15th, that weekend, Duckstream. We'll have more information on social media, but uh, please tune in and watch us stream games. Thank you. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are beginning our discussion of Baldur's Gate 2, The Shadows of Om, uh, which is a CRPG developed by BioWare and published by Black Isle and Interplay for the PC in 2000. Yeah. Welcome to Gary Country. Yeah, you welcome. Flavor <laughs> me up. Flavor me up. We're going we're gonna to talk about some tasty, tasty side quests <laughs> next episode. Ooh. It's going to be full of tasty quests. Do you guys want to talk about tasty mm, character builds? Absolutely. Because we're going to do it. I, I can't take credit for it. I just had it stuck in my head. The whoa, tasty whoa, thing is for, it's like on my can for a joke, but I just like it had stuck in my head today. Okay. Because I was, I was excited. I was like, I'm going to talk about some tasty, tasty Baldur's Gate. Mm. Uh, and I've been coming home and being like, I'm going to play some tasty, tasty Baldur's Gate. <laughs> uh, and it just felt good to be so tasty. Yeah. Um, welcome to Garytown. Um, I, uh, am exploding with happiness about that. <laughs> I feel so good about it. Like I've just been, I've been sitting down and it has been a joy and this is, uh, in my mind, like it's been a while since I played through Baldur's Gate 2. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Yep. And, uh, it's, uh, every, in my head, I was always just like, oh, like Baldur's Gate 2 is really good, but, uh, you know, Torment's the real shit. Mm-hmm. And I still think Torment's, Torment's like the deep philosophical stuff, but I think I've gained, gained an attention or, uh, an appreciation for like, some by the numbers stuff that I didn't have when yeah. I was like 30 and I was kind of at the height of my, you know, trying to be a, a middle brow, like intellectual. Right. Right. And, and now I'm like, this is just like so pure D and D like questness. That's the thing and that's every- astonishing about this is that it's it is so- such a good adaptation of tabletop. It is among the best like adaptations, I think period yeah. of a thing. Like this just feels like D D. Yeah. Like just drips D D. Everything you do, like all the quests and like the dialogue and stuff, which is I never thought was bad, but I just don't remember very much of it, is actually really good if you 
are okay with the fact that they're doing kind of by the number of stuff. Yeah, if you're okay you with know? some fantasy cliche stuff or, you know, a little bit of like, oh, this is this is what this kind of guy at a at a tabletop game would probably do. I'm looking at you fucking minxed. Minx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minx is Minx is a problem. We'll we'll talk about people. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll talk about the companion and stuff. But it's so it's just like a really good like I can't imagine somebody with uh like I can't put myself in somebody else's shoes who has no affection for D and D because if mm-hmm. you don't care about D and D, you're not going to like this very much. Right. But you should care about D and D because it's extremely important to video games. And if you have any affection uh, for D and D, I can't imagine somebody just not like feeling really strong like nostalgic good feels from this. Yeah, you know? the, the, and I said feels. I never say feels. I hate saying feels. <laughs> it's amaze balls that you said feels. It's amaze balls. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Um, yeah. No, like this. This is absolutely like the apotheosis of something, and it's very. It's remarkable to me that we've we've never recaptured this. Like that, this feels like a singular expression. You know, we've done Neverwinter Nights two and Mask of the Betrayer. I think is a little bit more in line with. Uh, you know, the Planescape style, style thing, uh, you know, even the stuff that claims to be a successor to this is nowhere near as monumental. No, no, no. Like as somebody who like, that's my wheelhouse. Like I've, you know, I play those and stuff and the, uh, playing this has been, you know, and you might have this later in the notes and stuff. I don't want to, I mean, I will, I will jump ahead, but like, it's interesting to play this and think about, uh, Bioware's reputation for kind of being the, holding the mantle of D and D stuff because, this playing this and Dragon Age, like this just feels so much more like D and D. Like Dragon Age, I like Dragon Age. You know, yeah. I, I have mixed feelings about it. So we we and I bring it up as a point of comparison a lot because it's it's the big Bioware, you know, Bioware being one of the tent poles of like modern, you know, RPG ness, right? Like right. you have like Bethesda style and Bioware style. And Dragon Age being the series that I've played all of, um, I you know, I, I'll talk about it a lot. And it's just uh there are things that Dragon Age does better. Like there, there are modernness to it. Like the combat is a different thing, but you can like it more, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's so many things it just does like a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, and I can't. It's hard for me to believe sometimes it's the same people. Like you can see the DNA here. You know. So on one hand, it's like yes, this is the beginning of them doing their like shipping yeah. stuff. Like there's relationships and stuff in this, and you have like a colorful series companions. Um, they would get better at that. But like pacing wise and uh. You know, just in terms of uh, of general like writing quality, like it just feels less. It feels like more true to a source material because it was based on a source material, right? As opposed to weirdly Dragon Age, which can feel more generic. Like D and D, like Forgotten Realms, is a generic setting. Dragon Age is just kind of a fantasy pastiche with a weird Christian mythology, right? Laid on top of it, like so that somehow ends up feeling more generic to me. You know, I don't know. There's like a lack of proper nouns. Uh, to it that feel like they have power like yeah you know here like somebody will mention Elminster Dritz or something like that and I know those from just knowing this stuff but also right. they just the, they're treated with a reverence yeah and like a history that doesn't exist or yeah you know? it, it, it absolutely is the case that Dragon Age feels more generic and it's weird because this is it feels a little bit like a um it feels a little bit like it subverts our usual shorthand for this like it's hard to say that Baldur's Gate 2 is a product of like a younger, scrappier company mm-hmm. because it's so sprawling, it's so big, oh, yeah. so much work went into it. Like the, the amount, yeah, the amount of care uh, and effort that's on display in in Baldur's Gate 2 is kind of amazing. Yeah, like it is, a, it is, it is a game made with a very loving hand. Yeah, um, and and a really, and also uh, something that's really. Uh, 
comes from from learning. Like what's very interesting is comparing, and this is not like stuff in the notes. We're off notes. It just yeah, no, we're, 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 we're very much we're, like in the yeah. in the gushing we're, period before we before we hit the rails. Skeet, skeet shooting here. Yeah. Um, the uh, comparing uh, Baldur's Gate one and Baldur's Gate two versus Dragon Age one and Dragon Age two do show very different companies with kind of different values, and it's not about scrap. It's kind of about um, like it's almost like a lack of scrap. Like early on, you know, they do Baldur's Gate one, and it's a huge hit. Like that game, that game was huge and is also like extremely good. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not as good. It's not as cool, but it's a cool game. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in Baldur's Gate 2 is how do we do that better and more? Yeah. And whereas I think the Dragon Age 1 to Dragon Age 2 thing wasn't how we can do Dragon Age 1 better and more. It's more like, let's try something completely different. Like the, 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 the. Baldur's Gate 1, people are like, we love this. Change this little thing. And they're like, <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, right. You know, yes, sir. And then the uh, the Dragon Age 2, they're like, hey, this thing sucks. And they're like, well, let's make a guess at what would fix that. <laughs> right. By making you know, something like the, completely did, different. And by making something completely different that fails on, like, a lot of people. Right, you right. Know? And uh, again, I am as a fan of the game. I'm a but, Dragon Age 2 defender. That's my favorite of those games. But, yeah, I, I am too. Like, I think Awakening I like a little bit more, but I, li- I like Dragon Age 2 quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, and someday, you know, someday we'll do it for the show, I'm sure. Like, mm-hmm. I would love a chance to defend that game because I do like that game. Yeah. But it's just a different company, and it's almost more conservative as opposed to Scrappy early on yeah. because they were just kind of following, you know, they weren't messing with the formula. They were just, it's like, this is one of the best sequel refinements, mm-hmm. I think, in games. Like, yeah. this is just such a refined version of what, Baldur's Gate 1 does. Your point earlier about the fact that Dragon Age feels generic uh, compared to this, you know, compared to something that adapts, you know, second edition, Forgotten Realms kind of stuff, it, it, it calls to mind something for me, which is like, you're not really fluent in a language if you're translating it in your head. So, you know, I hmm. hear baño and I think bathroom. Okay. And then I, I hear bathroom and I say, I think bathroom and I say baño. You, you, you have to think and speak in the same, in the same kind of language. You have to internalize it. Right, right. So, you know, when I look at Baldur's Gate 2, I think, okay, yeah, here's a bunch of Forgotten Realm stuff. I know, I know what I'm expecting here. That is a certain kind of, you know, like there, 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 there's a certain kind of underwhelm to that if you're not not necessarily a fan. I look at Dragon Age two and everything that I see, I'm immediately translating in my head, looking for the thing that they are trying to evoke. Like, yeah. oh, that is that, and like it's very rare to get past that. You know, in all of the hours that you spend playing those games, it's very rare to get past that sense of transliteration to actually like just taking it as it is for what they are yeah, putting just, out. Yeah, just feeling it as intended, and it's kind of the part of that is just the an aspect of like a a, a new work that is like a, a pastiche rather than an adaptation. Right. You know, like it's 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 what happens when you. Um, <laughs> When you try to create something old, new, right? You know, and that's what they were doing with that. Here, having this, uh, the stuff to work from, like, ends up being, to my mind, and like, you know, I don't expect everybody to follow me on this, but I think this is their strongest work, like as a company. Like, I just think this is so. There's so much care and dedication <laughs> and just love, and uh, put into it, and it doesn't. Uh, we were talking about it off mic. Like, I always expect it to run out of steam after you get past the initial kind of bloom. Of it, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like it, as you get more, as the story ramps up, and it gets a little bit more railroady, the quality of what you're doing, the like intrigue, the interest in the situations, does not flag <laughs> at all. And I can't say, I mean, I can't say that about Dragon Age One or especially not about Two, right? You know, which like it, you know, it just doesn't. Uh, uh, the ending of that game is kind of a wet fart. Yeah. Um, this just is like barreling towards something that feels awesome, and then they 
they make uh, what was going to be Baldur's Gate 3 and ended up being an expansion. It's like two-thirds the length. People keep asking us if we we're going to cover Throne of Ball, and I'm like, that's a whole other game, dog. Like, yeah. Like, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the only thing that makes that not a game is it doesn't have a – you know, a whole game is it doesn't have a three at the end. <laughs> um, but it is like essentially Baldur's Gate 3. Mm-hmm. Um, they just make this like – I think having that template and having that thing to work with just allowed them to expertly execute a formula. Yeah. On this, and this is, I think, this is like them at their best. It's you know, like not every aspect, right? Like that, like I love the like the companions and the the Dragon Age games. Like I right, think those right. are really, really good. Mm-hmm. They got a lot better at that, and that's what they're kind of known for. Yeah, and then r- r- rightfully so. And I'll step in as somebody who's played Mass Effect and say that that is the primary appeal of those games. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to hang out with those characters. Yes, yeah, you know, and and that ends up taking it. There's roots of that here, which are cool to see. It does take a backseat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they're still doing neat things, and they're doing kind of ballsier things with it, too. Like, people will leave you a lot easier in Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Like, if they, you know, if uh, they, if you're doing one of these romances and you flirt with somebody else, like, your, your romantic partner, who is one-sixth of your, your party, can just mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a big deal. Like, it, it's, it's a huge thing. It, it has weightier consequences. And they became kind of, like, more friendly. Like, yeah, so there are yeah. some edges that are sanded off in making it ultimately better yeah. uh, with a, from a companion perspective. But from in, in terms of, like, pacing, mm-hmm. like, I, I think this is, like, so much better paced than, than the later games. And I think it is uh, just in terms of not wasting your time. Like, it's amazing to me that this game where they set out to say, like, no fetch quest, like, you will never just deliver a package to somebody mm-hmm. and have that be the end of it is the same people who made fucking Dragon Age 3. <laughs> and Dragon Age 3 is 70% go collect 10 herbs. Dragon Age and 3 is a single-player MMO. <laughs> is a single-player. I can't believe the same people made that game and made this. Good good companions. <laughs> yeah, good, great companions in 3. Like, it's super cool. But, yeah. like, boy, do you, the things you do are so boring. And in this, like, you never do a boring thing. Like, you, mm-hmm. you are asked to go, like, uh, oh, the temple wants an artist to go uh, to make a statue for them. Right. And it's never just that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's no, you know, one sentence long quest descriptions. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that was a, like reading interviews and stuff. That was a value to them. And I just, I love it. Like, mm-hmm. you well, know, it, com- what it a, comes what a through. Good idea. I, I, I could have surmised that based on the stuff that I've done so far, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm excited. This is the first time I've played Baldur's Gate 2. You yeah. know, it's not my first Infinity Engine game. Like we did Torment and I love Torment. Um, mm. but yeah, this is, this is kind of my first exposure to it and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. We're not making these comparisons to like recreationally drag on either newer mm-hmm. things or drag on Dragon Age or Mass that, Effect. Not at all. Just because it's fun, yeah. because both of us have affection for those things. It's just interesting to go back and play this, you know, which does feel like such a monumental thing and reflect on this studio, which is really, really important and the way that their ethic has changed. You know, yes, as changed as, or not changed, right? Depending on what aspect you're kind of talking about, yeah. yeah. You know, because there is there is some common DNA, and all the games I've talked about in comparison are games I like, except for Dragon Age Three, right? Right. Like those are all games I think are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really interesting. I think what happened was between when I last played this, I played the Dragon Age games. Yeah, yeah. At the last time I played this, I went from this to that. This is the first time I went from that to this, mm-hmm. and I'm getting a little bit of that whiplash. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah, it's just, uh, and it's a really like, and this is a real Gary text thing. Uh, you know what a real big difference between those things are? Play your uh, expression. Voice. Oh, well, voice. no, I was gonna say that. <laughs> no, that, that's another Gary thing. But like voiced characters. Uh huh. Like you can make every quest meaningful if you don't have to pay for VO. Yeah. 
I mean, so like, I, I know I beat that drum all the time, but like, think about what you're buying when you do voice to VO, like you are, yeah. or like what you're giving up, what you're spending. Here's this. You're, you're, bu- you're, this. you're buying a lot more characters because you can bring in somebody to voice a couple of barks, maybe read a couple of notable lines, but everything else is writing. Writing isn't free. Um, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be anyway. Um, yeah. however, voice is incredibly expensive compared to like so cranking expensive. out more lines. You know, yep. <laughs> so and then just by by doing it this way, by like you know, not, and they didn't choose this. This was just the style at the time. But by games of this vintage, by having text, just means you can have no filler. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to. Filler is cheap, and you have to do that when you have a huge mega budget. Right. If you don't have that like huge mega budget now, you can just make everything interesting mm-hmm. you know not every quest is as good as every other quest but i have right. not played something where i've been like wow that's a dumb fucking waste of time mm-hmm. uh and that is a really good feeling yeah and you know? any exception that you would call up you know because we just did blood and wine witcher 3 everything is voiced gary and cole what are you talking about that, <laughs> they had to commit crimes against humanity to make that game yeah, you, <laughs> so, yeah it's true people died uh making it the uh you know their their tombstones show up outside of Velen. Right. um but also, uh, that is not as big. Right. Weirdly, is not as big and expansive. Like, Witcher 3 is such a huge game. Mm-hmm. Somehow, this feels, like, in terms of scope of, like, what you do as big, and it was 15 years or you know earlier. Right. You know, maybe not bigger, but it feels as big. Mm-hmm. You know, with that. With, like, you know, I'm sure a ridiculous fraction of the budget yeah. uh, of Witcher 3. God, I wish, know, so, I, I wish game budget information was as readily available as, as a movie budget information yeah yeah it would definitely be it would be interesting to look at that kind of comparison so like witcher 3 and also we spent the entirety of the witcher 3 episodes talking about how weird that is (laughs) right you know like we it's not that the witcher 3 is usual like in terms of rpgs like that is a remarkable thing that you know that they committed (laughs) war crimes to to create uh and make that you know so not boring right most things that are not either of this vintage or witcher 3 have a good amount of filler in them, yeah. You know, and it's just uh, that dedication to to uh, respecting my time has just made this a joy. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels good to sit down because I know I'm going to read some interesting shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and part of that is just me because I love D and D stuff and I love like monsters and and weird old gods and stuff. Like, but even if I didn't, it would just be like, even if this is not personally interesting to me i can conceive of it being interesting to somebody yeah which i can't say about most of the quests in an elder scrolls game right like i can't conceive of the fighters guild quest in skyrim being interesting to anyone you know until until werewolves show up but when it's just like hey there's a a guy in a cave can you go kill him and i'm Mm -hmm. like this sucks man yeah like that that gift from Eric Andre show. Hannibal <laughs> Barassa, sucks, oh, that's whack. You know, this sucks, man. Like I, I, just, I just feel like uh, that's what that is. And I just even if this is not personally for me, uh-huh. you know, because it, it just it's it's for somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know, and why isn't that the fucking minimum? Like I just don't understand <laughs> art. Sometimes like, I don't understand games as art. For someone. Like, you know, you don't have TV shows where like this is for nobody, but for games, we can just, just have like this is just bullshit nonsense that every you know. You just have to chew up, and, and we just accept that in games yeah. for some reason because pretty pictures and budgets, and yeah. it sucks. My, I move my hands and the thing on the screen will go. Yeah, I, I hate it. Yeah. Like, it just, it's like, why do we why do we put up with that? Gamers revolt. We live in a society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, anywho, yeah. I, I, I get, get steamed up playing something old and good sometimes. <laughs> right. You know? 
Because uh, oh yeah. man, we're, 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 what we're doing is we're we're just stre- stretching out the near cramps. This is, is what's oh, going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that. Like, don't waste my fucking time. You know, and near near does bigger narrative swings than this for uh-huh. sure. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, but you just pay for it. You pay so much for it. Like, <laughs> don't make me pay so much. You know, <laughs> it's not even that this is candy either. It's not like you know. It's still cheap. It's still like a really. It's like an extremely good version of like a food that's not inherently fancy. Like this mm. is like a a fifteen dollar cheeseburger and and rosemary truffle fries. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um. So anywho, uh, so <laughs> we've our, been talking is, for a half hour. And we haven't we haven't hit the notes. I'm so fired up. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, real fired up. Uh, yeah. It's it's a so this is this is our winter western RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, so this first episode, what we're going to do is generalities and the the tutorial dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get into that, and we expect it to be like a normal length episode. We're going to be getting into the big meaty chapter two next episode, um, so expect that to be a spicy boy because mm-hmm. uh, of how this game is structured, which uh, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit like at the end of this episode when you get out into it, because I think the the premise of how it structures you is actually really uh, elegant and good. Yeah. Cool. So this game, uh, like other Infinity Engine games in this family, so like Planescape Torment and Icewind Dale, it's an adaptation of second edition Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. And uh, just a real quick like sidebar on that. Uh, Second edition, you know, as somebody who plays tabletop, um, is a really archaic edition Mm -hmm. of D&D. That's what I started with. So I have some affection for it, but I would never want to play it a lot of the problems with second edition get taken care of by having a computer do all the stuff. Yep. <laughs> um, so the, the, the uh, you know, whereas a, a direct adaptation of second edition D and D might sound like overwhelmingly clunky to you, but mm-hmm. in actuality, like in play, once you get used to kind of the rhythms of play and combat in this, it happens very quick. Yeah. Like combat ends up paced very quickly because all of the calculations are just happening from a computer. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, like it's like having a little chess computer. Um, yeah, it's to, a lot like a chess computer. To, to, to doing all that stuff for you, and also like it cuts away some of the bullshit. Like, there's not an awful lot of like you hire a band of five mercenaries that are just people to fill in the battle for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 uh the encounter design is also a big thing. One of the the like perennial like French philosophers sitting in a salon, but gamers <laughs> uh, thing that pops up in the Slack is like, why is the combat in this good and the combat in Torment so bad? Uh-huh. And, like, uh, it's an interesting question, and part of it is encounter design. Like, part yeah, of it yeah. is uh, in Torment, it's just mobs of things running right at you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also some of that Planescape flavor means everything in Torment's a little bit less defined. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't have a, a – like, wizards don't act like wizards. Clerics don't act like clerics. Yeah. You know, this monster doesn't act like a, like a regular monster. It's got this little twist to it. Like, it's just harder to read. Uh, than that so i think it's a combination of those two things that makes the the combat and torment like not very good and the combat in this actually like you know i think that it, it's up to everyone's individual standards whether they like like it but i would say it's it's can rise to painless pretty easily yeah like the, the this it has a lot not not the edges sanded off but it's like the pieces are more squared away so that they stack and fit together better yeah. i think because because there is there's subversion happening like at the story level but like you, you know, individual characters fit into boxes or fit into roles within the party pretty well. Monsters yeah. fit into roles and fit into parties really well. Very easily. And you tend to uh, – an area will be themed around them. Yeah. So you will go to an area and it's about this monster. You will, Somebody usually will tell you what the quirk is of that monster and mm-hmm. that will kind of change the tenor of most of the combat encounters in that area. Yeah. So you end up kind of developing strategies not based on – or like end up based on what you're going to be facing. Yeah. You know, so there's a little bit of that kind of like 
in a weird way, like you do as much preparation for combat in this as you do in The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Like it ends up being actually a lot about that. Like yeah. I scouted, I know there's going to be Beholder here. Let me, or a Mind Flayer, let me get my chaotic commands up on my, my main tank, mm-hmm. send him in to draw fire. And then, you know, like you still end up doing a lot of preparation. Yeah. So um, this is a direct continuation of the story of Baldur's Gate 1, um, the main character, the ball spawn. Um, the first game, Baldur's Gate 1, is about discovering, uh, being an orphan and discovering that you are the son of Ball, the god of murder, <laughs> um, son or daughter. Yeah. Um, you are one of the Ball Spawn. Um, we uh, probably will not get to Baldur's Gate 1 because we're doing this and this is that but extra. But I used to do a blog about these games, and I the only game I actually finished on the blog because it was uh, kind of not area by area, but it was slow, uh, is Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. So if you go to, and I'll put a link in the show notes, if you go to Infinity, Infinity Engineers page, you can read my uh, quasi-let's play kind of half like analyses about Baldur's Gate 1. Yeah, uh, and those are really helpful. Uh, as someone who hadn't played Baldur's Gate, uh, that got me up to speed pretty well. However, something that I think is cool is that, A, this starts off with a new villain. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all, you know, kind of all about him. You know, you are kidnapped by this guy, John Irenicus. You wake up in his dungeon, um, and because you have been tortured, the game actually gives you options in dialogue to play as an amnesiac. So people will explain things to you. Like, you can opt into exposition, at least in that tutorial, um, Mm -hmm. in a really constructive way. Yeah. Yeah, you get get to decide um, what your character did or how they are. And it also allows you to, you know, be somebody completely different, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's not just how much exposition the player wants, but if you were playing the first one and you decide, like, you know what, I don't like, I didn't expect Imowen to come with me. Right. And <laughs> I don't like Imowen. Right. Uh, you can be real cold to Imowen. Like, mm-hmm. you still have to go deal with Imowen, but they even, you know, the elegance in this game is that it has things that it wants you to do, and it gives you a good motivation and oftentimes multiple uh, motivations mm-hmm. for doing so. Yeah. So, like, you know, even if you don't, if you decide, like, fuck Imowen. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to have another reason to go do the thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you can be mean to Emily, and you can dump her as soon as you get her, and fuck her. You know, right? If you decide you want to change what your your character is like, mm-hmm. um, John Aronicus is great, uh, voiced by David Warner, uh, and who does a wonderful job. Like it is such a scenery chewing, you know, villain voice. <laughs> like uh, I love, I love his deliveries. Uh, what else has David Warner voiced? Um, boy, he's an old British guy. Let me, uh, let me pull up the old IMDB. Oh no, I accidentally pulled up the IMDB for, uh, Baldur's Gate 2. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, you'll have to go ahead and go to the next point while I, uh, while I make that happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this generalities episode is going to be a little bit tricky because the, this is such a faithful adaptation of 2E, or at least kind of the broad strokes, you know, the, the, the different categories of mechanics that it's difficult to talk about without just describing what 2E is like. Um, we 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 are going to accidentally talk a lot about second edition. Yes, D and D for sure. Like it is, uh, the game actually papers over a lot of that stuff and will do all of it for you. You don't need it mm-hmm. to play the game, but to make informed decisions, it's very useful. Specifically with your character sheet, and especially like I don't know if you're not if you're somebody who was like me and you played third edition first, like Thacko is a little bit counterintuitive. Yeah, they you fix know? the stuff. <laughs> like Thacko is dumb and armor class is dumb in second edition. Right, right. Uh, they just reversed both of them for funzos. Right. Uh, so lower is better. That's all you actually need to know mm-hmm. is that that lower is is better. 
Right. Um, but uh, understanding it can help. Yes. Um, so he he's just done a lot. He's just a journeyman actor. He's done a lot of different stuff, either live acting and voiced. Yeah. Lots of lots of villain voice stuff. Hmm. Um, he's uh, Morpheus in Fallout. Um, okay. The uh, the yeah. So yeah. that is the the thing that I mostly knew him from before that. But he's been in. He was in like Titanic and. He was in in the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's yeah he's he's a uh, he's recognizable. Yeah, if you see him, uh, just extremely dramatic. <laughs> uh, you know, again, mustache twirl. Like he's just like swirling brandy around his mouth before he says everything. Yeah, uh, <laughs> very impatient man. Yeah, yeah, he is not. Uh, he does not have a lot of patience for you, and uh, the the reasons behind which we will we will find out mm-hmm. over the course of these episodes. Um, so you can uh, make a. You know, you're always going to create your own character. So there's kind of like two levels of strategic build in this game there's making your character and then coming up with your party composition uh which is where a lot of the strategy comes from right um you can either import your character directly from Baldur's gate or from uh, siege of dragon spear which is the enhanced edition um expansion that they made mm-hmm. kind of new game um we should say that like uh i played the enhanced edition for this like you're playing the enhanced edition right yes yes um the enhanced edition which came out we don't need to talk about it that much because we're essentially covering the original version like i'm not gonna talk about any of the characters or anything mm-hmm. uh, that came in enhanced edition. Um, they added a lot of ease of use stuff. Um, they, they when it came out, there was very buggy. Um, I've heard people talk a lot about bugs. I have not had any like serious bugs mm-hmm. um, with it, um, but it mostly is just ease of use stuff and is definitely what you should play. Yeah. If you're playing this, um, the new characters, the writing is not as good and it sticks out. Okay. Uh, they went through, a, they went through a lot of care to make it not stick out and they failed. Yeah. Um, you know, your, your current party members will interact with them and they got the old voice actors back or just really good impersonations to like record new voice, voice dialogue mm-hmm. for some of that. Like it's neat what they did and they obviously love the games, but I just don't think that they had a, a perfect grasp on what made them good. Yeah. Um, so I am fine not taking any of the new characters or doing any of the, the new content. Right. Like I, I will probably check out Siege of Dragon Spear at some point. Uh, which bridges the gap between Baldur. It tells you what happens between Baldur's Gate one and two. Like essentially, I think you get captured. Yeah, yeah. In it. Yeah, um, and, and also explains why you have that weird ass party that it assumes you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it, like you could have just at the end of Baldur's Gate one, mm-hmm. um, if you're if you're playing good. Yeah. But it, it does make some assumptions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you uh, you make you start making your character. You pick uh, from the standard load, loadout of Dungeons and Dragons races. Um, and each race has adjustments to their stats, um, and they have kind of perks and drawbacks right. to them. Yeah, um, which you know, again, if you are if, if you are coming from third edition, those are going to be a little bit different than what you uh, than what you expect. I will cease saying that right now. But like, it's super weird to me that humans can't multi class. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. They, they uh, old D anD D was full of dumb restrictions like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, there's this weird. They wanted to balance the little perks you got for being uh, a metahuman. With the fact that you couldn't multi-class or you couldn't um, – or your human couldn't multi-class, but a human had better, like, level limits. Like, a human could level up all the way. Right. Whereas an elf couldn't. And the idea being was that they're older mm-hmm. by the time you get to them. Uh, that doesn't make any sense because they live forever. Right. You know, they live, for, <laughs> right. they live for, like, 900 years, so they have time to, to learn what I can learn in, in 30. Right. right? Yeah. Um, but they, they, they ceased those things. Right. And they instead they gave uh, metahuman – in later editions, they gave, like, metahumans – uh, little perks, and then humans usually gave like an extra feat. Yeah, you know, just to, you know, they represent like spark, moxie. You know? <laughs> just, just the, the the versatility and adaptability of somebody who is very aware that they are going to die. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the constant awareness of the specter of death allows <laughs> allows you to do uh, mighty cleave. Uh, <laughs> you know, so the uh, twice per day. Um, yeah. But as is like they they uh, and some of that stuff also they don't you can't multi class uh, as a non human in this, but also some of those things like you don't have level limits. Yeah, yeah. The same way you do, they got rid of some of that stuff for the the video game. Yeah. So again, just to smooth it over into balance, uh, one assumes right. Mm-hmm. Um, you also assign a class, um, and that determines what kind of abilities you can use, what kind of equipment you can use. The usual your stat progression, yeah, like oh, yeah. your your Thaco, uh, Thaco progression is a big one. Like hit. how likely you are to hit stuff. Yeah, hit dice as well. Yep, uh, weapon specialization that determines the degree of that, which is a lot of like how effective you are at your weapon mm-hmm. um, that you have. So that's a real big thing that was added in uh, Baldur's Gate Two. Yeah um as a thing so that's a that's a real big uh issue and most of these are self-explanatory the fact that this is drawing from a work that is so kind of uh fantasy based means that we don't need to explain what a thief is <laughs> what a mage is what a cleric is like you know what those things are yeah yeah um, you know and you know, the, the like there are some things like what's the difference between a barbarian and a fighter or what's the difference between a wizard and a sorcerer you know yep. like that's just you know something that comes to the territory yeah, and the, there are there are differences from that, but the game actually has really good. You know, it tells you this while you're making your character. Like yeah, making yeah. characters in these old kind of CRPGs, even in new uh, kind of spiritual successors, is really fun to me. Okay. And you can read about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't make any decisions without knowing. Right. Um, one of the big differences with Baldur's Gate 2 is they allowed you to have character kits, uh, the class kits. These are from the tabletop game. Um, they add these in, and these are further specializations. Right. That kind of fit a role. So if you are playing a paladin, uh, we all know what a paladin is like. But if you are playing an inquisitor, uh, that's very different. You know, you are not as healing focused. You are much uh, more focused on like uh, removing magic, seeing through illusions and stuff, being very effective in combat, not as good at healing. Right. Um, and there are always trade offs, and the game will explain those trade offs to you. Yeah, like the, this is how you choose your specialization as a mage. You know, yes. like if you want to be, you know, an illusionist or an evoker. Etc. Yeah. Um, and like different, I think the enhanced edition adds like wild mage and stuff like that. Things mm-hmm. that otherwise would have been uh, prestige classes in later editions. Yeah, well, and yeah, in later editions for sure. Like wild mages were in uh, some of the stuff. So when Baldur's Gate was made, even the original version, not the enhanced edition, um, third edition was in the works. Mm-hmm. They uh, and the people who made Baldur's Gate had access to some stuff that was coming. Oh, nice. So they didn't make it a third edition game. Um, for that, like, uh, Temple of Elemental Evil is a three point, like a really wonderful adaptation of 3.5 mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and is, or maybe it's just third edition, regardless of which it's very accurate. Um, it's yeah. just a really weird product. Yeah, like no. you, 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 you play an old dungeon module and that's literally what it is. <laughs> it's one-to-one. Neverwinter Nights 2 is, is the only 3.5, um, yeah, adaptation, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Temple of Elemental Evil is three, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, there is uh, multi-classing, which we mentioned real briefly. Uh, what that means is that you are actually just both classes. Um, your leveling up will happen slower, but you have access to a wider array of abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, dual classing, which is a weird thing that uh, got eliminated in favor of just being able to take classes of different – or levels of different classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll listen to our generalities of Ford Neverwinter Nights to hear us talk more about that. Right. Um, what dual classing means is that if you have the stat requirements to uh, excel at another class, you can switch over to it. Um, you essentially you start over. You don't like lose your hit points or anything. But mm-hmm. You start over in terms of abilities, and you can't uh, do your old class uh, things until you surpass that level. Okay. So if you're a level three fighter and you switch over to being a mage, 
until you're a level three mage, you don't have the fighter perks. Oh yeah, because you're focusing. Like I would. You're focusing. We don't that's hit. We don't that. hit anymore. Yeah, that's the idea. Like yeah, yeah like yeah, just, just stop running with scissors for a little bit. <laughs> like that's the idea. So the um, you can make very powerful characters in that if you're gaming it. Like uh, Icewind Dale uh, is the most combat focused and technical of uh, of these games. If you're playing that, like it's re- a really good idea to have everyone duel over from fighter. Mm-hmm. Do one level as fighter for a bonus in Thaco, hit points, and weapon specialization, and then you, it just takes one level to catch up, and then you will be a more powerful, hardy version of whatever you turn into. Yeah. Um, so they're the same way that there are in, like, Diablo or just actual tabletop games. There are, you know, character build guides yes. for this kind of thing. Like, there are ways to be as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and even uh, if you don't want to mess with that, like, if you just want to play a straight single class um character uh the majority of your um of your companions end up being multi-class or dual class in some form so yeah a, a lot of them are um it weirdly it kind of uh, skews in a way like one of the things that i and i realized this last time i played this but one of the ways that Baldur's Gate 2 balances good and evil is that good characters tend to be multi-class or dual class so they have a wider variety of options mm-hmm. um evil characters tend to be single class and more powerful right so you're either choosing if you're good you are implicitly choosing between having like just kind of a greater utility, and if you're evil, you are choosing more raw power. Right. And I don't know, understand what the philosophy is behind that, but it is it is the case. Yeah. You know, so the the best fighters you can get in a in as a good character tend to be like kits or kind of like offshoot things. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're evil, you can just have Keldorn and or uh, Kagan, Corgan, mm-hmm. and Corgan is just like a ridiculous beast. Yeah, yeah. So. Evil is single minded. Yes. Yeah. Is, is kind of what they're doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gary, what are you playing? I am playing a ranger kit. Uh, I am playing an archer because hmm. I am a parody of myself. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the real reason is I always play wizards in these, but right. um, I wanted to give you the wizard experience and I wanted to branch out. Um, so I am playing a lawful good archer. Okay. Um, the uh, the archer class is really wonderful. Uh, it is by far the highest DPS on my team. Mm-hmm. So if something is not uh, you, the the drawback for that is I had to kind of manage arrows. Like I I dipped into a late game area to get a quiver with endless plus one arrows, but. If something can't be hit by plus one arrows, I need to uh, fiddle with an ammo belt and get out different yeah, kinds yeah. Of, of ammo. But the uh, I just I fire a lot and I do lots of damage from a distance. <laughs> and I gave her the boots of speed so she can do hit and run tactics and do scouting. Uh, oh, nice! And, stuff, and she's really wonderful. Uh, she is a very useful character. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm finding that even um, on my regular characters, like range combat, is the way to go. Like you only need like one or two melee people. Everybody else can be can you know can stand back and fire away. Yeah, you can you can have people come up and just kind of draw fire. There's other ways to do it as well. I've mm-hmm. definitely people in the Slack who just play with almost very few range characters, like mm-hmm. one wizard who sets them back, and maybe a thief who uses bows, and everyone else is a meat shield. And yeah. you can also play that way. Like it's pretty versatile. Yeah, there's something about D and D in general and the way that loot is handled that you just end up coming across a smorgasbord of enchanted and specialized ammo. Oh goodness! Yeah, <laughs> like one of the things that is. I mean, it's a minor complaint, but if I had to change something about this, I would put all of the container items in uh-huh. the first dungeon. Yeah. Uh, because the, there's an ammo, like being able to manage ammo, like you can go get an ammo belt, uh, from a late game area, mm-hmm. uh, which I did because otherwise you were just managing plus one bolts, bullets, and arrows yeah. for days. Yeah. And, and, um, and each of the, each different kind takes up, uh, an inventory slot and those are limited. Yes. It yeah. used to be, um, 20, I think in Baldur's Gate one pre, I think you'd have 20 in a slot and now they've upped that to 80. Yeah. So you can definitely, but until they're identified, you don't really know what what type they are, so it can be kind of a pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, inventory management in this game is not 
the UI is as good as it, it's very simple. You just drag and drop things into slots. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to, uh, and I, I make a, you know, make a time of it. Like I just don't do it until I have to. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit for three to five minutes and just figure out, get my inventory straightened out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, uh, what kind of character are you playing? Uh, so I'm playing just a generalist ass wizard. <laughs> um, for alignment, I chose just true neutral because I wanted to, uh, not really be locked out of doing something or interacting with somebody, um, mm-hmm. just because of, uh, really a prejudice I would make at the beginning of the game. Um, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. Like I like playing as wizards in these games in general because it's just variety, variety, variety all the way down. Like I couldn't imagine playing this as like a fighter. Um, mm-hmm. however you do just control the wizards in your party anyway, I feel ownership over, over the way my character goes. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like just using, <laughs> getting a chance to, ha- getting a chance to have status effect spells be useful and a huge part of my combat repertoire as opposed to sitting fallow in the, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the, in, in, in the spell list, right? So like, I, I am a grease and web machine. Yeah, yeah. Like doing, like preparing the battlefield ends up being very important in this. Yeah, and it is a one-to-one representation of second edition magic, which means there aren't spells that are missing. Right. Um. You know, it is not a streamlined. Uh, that's something again that like later games would do. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's no way a later game would have this many spells. It has like 300 spells in it. So many spells. Yeah. Um. So you and you can make most of them useful. Like there are definitely duds, and there are really strong spells. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, there are ways to make you know grease is not often considered to be like a very useful spell but like if uh any of your characters even if your characters don't have like free action mm-hmm. um you know what that is is a save uh to not slip and fall and be out of combat for a round mm-hmm. or you know around being six seconds if you lay that on the enemy or just hitting them with the arrows if they fall down for six seconds and can't move towards you that's huge mm-hmm. um you know so you can just do a lot of great stuff with that and then yeah. later as you get kind of blow up spells um you know scouting out seeing a party of you know mind flayers or whatever Sending your wizard up there with improved invisibility to drop like a couple cloud kills on them is really satisfying. <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't always have to be like a melee. Um, yeah. Did you summon a familiar? Um, I have it, but I wanted to wait until I was out of the um, tutorial dungeon to uh, do that. But I do have mm-hmm. fine familiar uh, queued up. That's great. Yeah. You get getting a familiar, and this is really fun. Like it's based on your alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not super useful, and they take up an inventory slot, <laughs> but they can be really good as scouts. Uh huh. And you can talk to them and pet them and stuff. Yeah. That's cute. So uh, there used to be, before Enhanced Edition, there was a, a bug where any character could cast a scroll. So I could have gotten a familiar for my main character, which I was going to do, just because, right. you know, whatever. Uh, and I just, I didn't. I, it doesn't work anymore, so I couldn't get a familiar. Mm-hmm. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, what you do once you pick out your class, so you have your your kind of role, and then you go out into the world and pick up um, party members to create your, your essential, your team of Pokemon. Make your your balanced party right, yeah, and that's uh you know that that shores up any weaknesses that you might have by you being over specialized, et cetera mm-hmm. um as far as I can tell, based on my reading, the only classes that are straight up duds in this well in in two e but also in 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 Baldur's Gate two are druids and bards is that mm-hmm. is that a correct read on the situation um uh, bards are bards are kind of a rough uh proposition because. So sorcerer do, magic I, is just so limited. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they and yeah, so they you can I mean you can do good spells with it. It's like their their main advantages are they can identify items for you for free, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It ends up actually being you know a big convenience. 
And then they have like really strong bard songs, but that kind of that's what they do. Yeah. So it's kind of like carrying the bless spell with you all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a human bless spell. Um, there are a couple of like kits that make them more uh, efficient in combat. Um, I haven't messed with them very much. Yeah. Um, I know you can solo a bard hmm. through these games, and that's because they can kind of do a little bit of everything. Right. And that is a, a, a doable challenge run. Yeah. In this, um, and druids can cast most cleric spells. Like there are good druid spells, but. They are not uh, the actual benefits you get for being a druid, which are like being able to shapeshift mm-hmm. um, in a slightly different spell list, don't really make up for not being able to wear good armor. Right. And being able to wear good armor means your cleric will also be uh, a tank and can tank hits. And because he's, he's your healer, um, it's really good to keep your healer alive. Mm-hmm. So that's the big drawback to my mind to druids. And I think from a flavor perspective, they suck balls. Uh, I just don't like things. I think I don't, I never need to hear about nature again. Nope. I think I'm done with nature as a theme or a motivation. Like I understand I like nature in real life. I'm scared yeah. as hell of climate change. Uh-huh. I think as a fiction trope, uh, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. No more nature. Because mm, nature is just one step away from the spirits. Yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's generic. Yeah. You know, it is just a generic motivation, you know. And also they're always true neutral and like, yeah. and not, I'm not, you know, hey man, so hey, watch character. it. Watch yeah. it. <laughs> so tweeting your character, which, you know, but like as a as a philosophy, that's real dumb. <laughs> like uh, uh, you you run into the uh, Jahira, who is the uh, true neutral character, the druid you have with you. You run into her people, mm-hmm. uh, and there there's this like amazing centrist dialogue Ugh. they give, where they're just like you know somebody uh, uh, a good character who uh, who exerts their will on the world too much is exactly as bad as an evil tyrant who goes out and enslaves people and I was like wait Fucking a minute yuck. <laughs> yeah come on dude like I know it was 2000 when you wrote that but like, <laughs> like you know that's not that's not that's a very out of fashion philosophy right now my friend like sorry harpers i'm not going to vote for harpers in, in 20 uh, 20 2020 compromise yeah. um yeah the, the harper ticket um <laughs> But yeah, so those, those classes are kind of bad. They're kits that are not as good, but also the game is not so hard. And because your any mistakes you make are so diffuse because you have a whole party, Yeah, yeah. Um, play what sounds cool to you. Mm-hmm. It's like if you really think a bard sounds awesome, um, you can you can 100% succeed and have a great time with a bard. Yeah. And that bard will be useful and good mm-hmm. uh, during during your time here. Yeah. So. The big impact, you know, because you can use your party to shore everything up, the biggest impact that the class has um, mm-hmm. is uh, which stronghold you get. Stronghold and alignment. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, like, uh, so stronghold, um, in the second chapter of this, which is huge, you ha- there are a series of big quests you can do uh, that lead to different strongholds for your characters. Um, stronghold is a home base mm-hmm. for your character. Um, it is it is pre-Neverwinter Nights 2, so it's before they had kind of this management access uh, aspect. Even though the Thieves Guild, you do, like, set how aggressive your thieves are going to be and and (laughs) allocate money for bribes and stuff. Right. Most of them don't have that sim aspect. What they end up being is like, it's kind of cool just to have your own place. Yep. um, And you get quests with it. So there's a little bit of like King Solomoning, like, you know, somebody from your, your area brings you a baby and asks you to chop it in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do so because they can't be bothered to do their own work. Right. And that's, uh, you know, so that's, <laughs> no, that's your quest. Nobody, nobody has the courage to get their hands dirty. Yeah, exactly. You got to break a few babies. break a few kids. You know? Over your knee like your bane. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wishbone. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- th- that's pretty cool. It's always nice to have a, have a space of your own. Um, it feels yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's no decorating, there's no like customizing it. It's before that, but it's right. still like a proto version of that thing that would become very common in, in Western RPGs. Yeah. Um so we mentioned alignment. This, you know, affects the way you relate to the world and also kind of can complicate your party 
uh, because it, it ends up being uh, kind of a sticking point if you are mm-hmm. an evil person trying to uh, play nice and do teamworks with uh, with good people. Yeah, you you got you have to keep your uh, companions happy. Yeah. In this, and your your character that you choose is the one companion you have to have. So right. like you, there's nothing to stop you from choosing an evil character and doing exclusively good things. Mm-hmm. You know, and you you your evil character your Good characters in your party will probably still be okay yeah, yeah. with you if you do that. Um, but if you want to actually – if you play as an evil character and you want to actually be evil, you can't take, you know, Keldorn the Paladin with you because he will turn on you mm-hmm. when you decide to, you know, flay the, uh, you know, the the orphan city. Right. Like, right. He, you know, he will, he will not care for that. So he will turn on you. So choosing your alignment kind of chooses which party you want to have. And this can be a real plate spinning thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, your party alignment and what you do, um, whether you're good or evil, affects something called reputation. Um, reputation is a stat that you have that goes from 1 to 20. Um, at 1, you are hunted by mercenaries and the guard. And at 20, you are like hero of the city. And you get discounts on uh, – what was that? <laughs> sorry, sorry that, that was my water bottle. I, I sucked oh. on it. <laughs> like you're just making like a like a like a real wet mouth jerk off noise for hero of the city. Yeah, no, it was it was it was my it was my water bottle. I crinkled it. Okay. <laughs> we, we could leave that in. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, yeah. Hero of the city. <laughs> like like you're like a particularly lubed up jo. Just lube our city hero. You gotta take care of yourself, you know. Gotta give him a, a twenty-one load salute, you know. <laughs> But you like fire, fire loads at dawn. You know, like you, you got you you do a firing squad where like one of the people is firing blanks, you know, and it's just it's just a, it's a buddyless load. But but, but I think that they would know. High count. Well, they take it down to the lab. Whoever okay. has to take it down to the lab. They just present their coat. <laughs> the She's like, can you tell me the content of all these loads? I was in a firing squad. I don't have time to explain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, boy, where, where were we? Um, the, uh, so that, that kind of, uh, determines, you know, who you can have on your party. Oh, the plate spinning. You yeah. have this reputation. So if you are doing a lot of good things for the city, the people who are evil in your party will think you're wasting your time Yeah, yeah. and they will get mad and eventually leave. And if, if you're doing a lot of evil things, the people who are good will grumble and eventually will leave. And you can have dialogue checks sometimes to convince them to stay, mm-hmm. um, which are really interesting. That's like a lot of content I haven't seen in the game because I just kind of went into it wanting to not run into that but there are a lot of interesting fail states mm-hmm. characters in this that uh are neat yeah, I guess. yeah yeah i do like that the you know the the, the way that the evil the, the, the evil party members are focused on efficiency and yeah. also like diffusing your idealism like it's something that i think they did extremely well in dragon age one with alistair mm-hmm. and morgan uh but it's cool yeah, to see yeah. it present here yeah, it's it's the same basic thing. Like it's very rare. There are very few like mustache twirling. Yeah, yeah. Evil characters. They just want you to get yours. Like if you <laughs> act like you are pursuing money and power, um, you know, they're that's what they want. <laughs> right, well. right. If you do anything else, you're virtue signaling. Yeah, that is essentially essentially what they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, ability scores are super weird in that for your main character, they don't really matter because you can just re-roll everything. Um, mm-hmm. and for your potential party members, they're basically destiny. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have, uh, they have ability scores that match what, what, what their role is. Right. right. Uh, generally there can be better ones, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, one of the things that, uh, 
you know, doesn't necessarily frustrate me, but the best cleric in the game, the only cleric with 18 wisdom is an evil character. Right, right. You know, so if you want, so I am stuck with clerics that have 16 wisdom, which is still fine, but not mm-hmm. as good. Yeah. Um, but for your character, you can re-roll, you know, for as long, you don't need to re-roll until you get perfect stats, like that will take a thousand years. Mm-hmm. If you are the kind of person who just won't feel good unless you have perfect stats, you know, like you can do that though. Mm-hmm. You can also just cheat at that point, I feel like. Yeah, you can just uh, maybe use yeah. a trainer or open up a, a file. I'm positive. Yeah, you, yeah you can just... They, they exist. They, yeah. I, I did it to um, change because I, I since I wasn't playing as a wizard, um, one of the second edition bummers is that if you don't have 18 intelligence, you can't cast the highest level spells. Mm. So I bumped up one of my wizards to have 18 intelligence and took away two stat points from somewhere else. Okay. And I don't feel that bad about it because I'm so used to playing wizards and I just I don't want to not do wish right you know like do the the high level cool spells mm-hmm. i need to be all the time stopping this shit yeah um the uh so yeah so the the uh, uh stats you can re-roll them um you just want to get your, you know whatever your principal thing is so if you're a mage you, re- you need 18 intelligence if you're a cleric you need 18 wisdom mm-hmm. etc um constitution is important yep for everyone yeah. dexterity is very important for everyone um strength is good like carry weight is good and damage is good but those are kind of the big ones Charisma is really good, actually, but you get an item that bumps that up to 18 mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly after the main after the tutorial dungeon. Yeah, um, some of that just not stuff you're gonna know, you know, going into the game. But um, one of the nice things is you have your party leader, but whoever's at the top acts as the representative. So if whoever your highest charisma person is, you can just put them at the top of the party mm-hmm. or make them talk to people, and it will use their charisma scores for like barter prices and shit. Yeah, that's good. So. Yeah, but yeah, stats are stats are uh, you know they're important, but also you get a lot of just rerolling that you can do. Yeah, so. um, skills seem pared down to me. Um, Super skills. Yeah, there's no con- there's no non combat skills mm-hmm. other than uh, like thief skills. Right. Right. So yeah, so um, you know you're you're still making choices, right? Like for for me as a mage, it was like, do you want to be uh, proficient in daggers or do you want to be proficient in quarter staves? Um, mm-hmm. things like that. And then obviously picking like your starting spells and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And as most martial characters, it's going to be which weapon you're going to use. Um, yeah. if you're able to specialize, you want to specialize, mm-hmm. um, in that. Um, and if you, if you play the game before, you can maybe work towards a specific weapon. If not though, you just kind of like, there will be good stuff. There's plenty of good gear for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can also choose kind of what your, your character portrait, um, which is really interesting. It actually pulls from companion portraits as well. <laughs> which so is very you, strange. If you choose a companion portrait, it will shunt that companion to another portrait. Oh, really? Um, so there, huh. there's a canonical like MON, but if you choose MON's portrait as your – I don't know if it actually works for MON, but there's a, a canonical Viconia. Mm-hmm. If you choose Viconia as your character, Viconia will then look like somebody else. Yeah, I was curious about that because I was doing some, you know, some wiki diving to, you know, un- understand at least where characters were, so I didn't miss them. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I totally almost picked uh, what's his name, the uh, the 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 Red Wizard, Edwin. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally almost picked Edwin as my guide. I'm like, huh, how would that work actually? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to pick um, the. Uh, I've oftentimes picked uh, for my guy when I played a wizard, uh, the bard. Hair Delise. Okay. I played a male male wizard, and then when I run into Hair Delise, he's got a different. Yeah, yeah. A different. That's you can a, choose their choose that choose gender. You can choose their voice um, and kind of their sprite. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, customize like the basis for their paper doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, like we said, you know, you have a huge uh, cast of characters to pick from. I think based on my check, there are thirteen in the base game, mm-hmm. uh, with more added in the enhanced edition. Yeah, four so. more. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if one of them decides to leave, there's always somebody else that you can grab. You can reconfigure. 
Yeah. Which is yeah. Someone decides to leave or someone dies. Yeah. Um, you can do that. I think that the first Baldur's Gate, I talk about this in the blog, but I think the first Baldur's Gate was made for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea was supposed to be like, because that's very low level D&D, resurrecting people is hard. Yeah. They wanted you to have people die and, re- you know, choose to maybe make an uneasy bedfellow because you needed a fighter. Right. Um, you know, in that. Um, and the second one, it's a lot easier to bring people back. You can kind of beeline to getting your party complete, which I always feel the need to do, mm-hmm. and then just be with that party. Yeah. Um, a really good way to play this, and I didn't didn't do it this time, and I always mean to, but I always kind of forget, is to actually just have a permanent party of five, like the TV show for chapter <laughs> two, and then take in people to do their quests. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because every, every character has a quest as well. Um, this is the beginning of that. That would mm-hmm. become a Bioware kind of thing. They're not like loyalty quests or whatever. They don't necessarily you know affect the relationship but they will affect stats and items and stuff those characters get so and you only get them if you have them in your party okay yeah no that's good i, I like that as a tack uh it's a little bit like uh guest characters in ff12 mm-hmm. yeah yeah it would be exactly like that you know you see you have guest characters and then once you are ready to leave the city choose whichever one you like the best mm-hmm. and uh or you know because of spoiler reasons uh don't so you know <laughs> the um yeah but the uh you you could uh uh that is a cool way to do it, as is. Um, and some of those quests you can still do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, for example, you uh, where you're at in the game, um, Nalia wants you to go there. Yeah. You run into a character named Nalia. Um, that quest, you get individual quests with her if you take her, but that quest is actually different and easier if you have her with you. Right. Um, when you go there. Like, she knows the area. So, mm-hmm. like, just having that little individual fla- extra flavor is probably better than what I ended up doing, which is to be like, no, no, I'll just go take care of your, your trash. <laughs> you just pay me when I'm done. Right. Yeah. Um, And that extra flavor stuff is actually really cool. Um, And one of the ways that the game feels very intricate, which is, you know, if you have a character with you, they they will talk with other characters. They will chime in at certain points in different Mm -hmm. interactions with NPCs. They are not just kind of silent bystanders uh, in the process of playing this game. They are a constant kind of input uh, Mm -hmm. to the, the, the chatter of what goes on. Yeah, and and sometimes it's very like you know FF seven style, just like they just say like yeah, let's do that, right, you know. Right. But sometimes they will they will make like it feel it makes it feel uh it's it's similar a similar level of abstraction that the cities have, mm-hmm. you know, where like the city has an ambient noise. Like I love actually the soundtrack of this game, um, and the uh there's an ambient noise most of the time when you're in town. There's not mm-hmm. a score playing. It just makes it sound like a crowded town, even yeah. if you can only see. You know, even if on the whole screen there are 20 characters, you know, mm-hmm. if you zoomed all the way out. Yeah. Um, this is kind of represents that where it represents, like, the relationships and these banters. Um, some of that is actually real. There are, like, meters and mm-hmm. such where characters can, like, come to blows. Yeah. If they, you know, if the, the random role of making, you know, I think the game determines, like, hey, we're going to have a, a conversation now. Who should it be? Are these two characters in the party? Have they gone this many steps on that path? You know, like I know that I have a paladin in my party. I know if I take Viconia, uh, they will eventually fight. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just a matter of time before eventually he says, you know what? We cannot have a drow in our party. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either her or me, you know, and uh, whoever is not chosen fights. Right. You know, um, there's actually a really interesting one. Like I, when we get to the companions, um, I'm fairly familiar with them so I can talk about um, them in turn. But uh, there's a guy who I ended up taking this time called Amomen. Mm-hmm. Ammonin? Ammonin. I don't know. Ammonin. I don't know. Ammo man. Um, <laughs> who uh, is, because he's a cleric. He's a cleric fighter. I needed a cleric. Uh, I ended up having two because I also took a mage cleric with me because so I, I like a lot of spells. Um, 
he sucks. <laughs> like he's like an MRA shitbag. What? Like he sucks, and he's like he's very like you know courtly. Like he's a real like he whines all the time. He's very like mm, my lady. Uh, he is trying to romance my character, and like he finally like took no for an answer, but it took like a bunch of <laughs> attempts, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, this is, what is this? Um, but he has a quest where he goes, and he's also he's it's he's I actually kind of came to, he sucks. He's the worst character, but I came to kind of like him because he's wrong. Okay, like he's he's full of doubt. Like his whole thing is like I don't know if I'm good enough to join this order, this holy order. He's not. He's, <laughs> he's wrong about everything. But you can convince him that he's good enough. He will join the order and get more confident, and he gets a big stat buff. Um, I've only seen it online, but if he doesn't, he becomes this like sullen, brooding, like monster. Okay. And another character, uh, if you have Aerie with you, who is like the the cleric uh, mage character, mm-hmm. she'll try to console him, and he will assume that she's making fun of him when she's not, and will start like fights with her. Oh, huh. Like he he just goes like really off the rails, like unemployed dad sleeping in a race car, <laughs> you know, and just like he has there's like the failed version. Like if he fails his test, he just becomes this like, you know, like. Somebody who would go shoot up a mall. Yeah, it becomes a washout. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah it, becomes, it becomes a washout. It's really interesting. Huh. Uh, but even if you do the good thing with him, he doesn't start – he doesn't become good. He, he, he hilariously suggests the wrong thing to do every time something comes up. <laughs> like, he, and it's it's been consistent. He's never said the right thing to do. Oh, fuck's sake. He's it's even lawful always, neutral. Fuck Animus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Animus sucks, man. He's – he, he is the worst. I just have him because I need him. And he's, like, one of my most powerful party members. And, like, I, you know, he's the guy who's going to gonna have Crom Fair with me. And he's the he's using the Staff of Ages. Like, he's the one who cleared out the Vampire Nest because he has the Mesa of Disruption. Like, he's so essential. And I just, I hate it. Yeah. And I had to tell him no, like, six times. Like, I'm, I I don't care that you love me. Like, it doesn't, you suck. I, I want, I don't want to see the end of the romance, but I couldn't stomach it. Um <laughs> But they're, they're just – I guess the point is that, like, there can be, like – so that character – or I have the paladin who he views as kind of a uh, role model. Okay. And he he passed the test. So afterwards, he's just like, hey, listen, I was maybe not the best student. Like, you know, I'm really sorry. Like, he shows some humility. And Keldorn, who is, like, a really class act, you know, is like, no, I understand. Like, you know, we have a lot to learn from each other, essentially. If he uh, fails the test, he blames him for it. And Keldorn is just like, you know, you can keep trying and stuff. And he's like, no, you weren't a good enough teacher. And we'll, like, start a fight with him. Oh, geez. Um, like, he just, like, starts lashing out. I think it's really interesting, mm-hmm. you know, to make this character who's, like, kind of a shitty forever alone incel. <laughs> uh, and and actually, like, have there be, like, real consequence to it. Yeah. You know? It's kind of neat. There's also, um, you can have a romance with Aerie, that elf character I mentioned. Uh, and one of the ways I can get interrupted is if you take uh, Herodelise into your party because he will start a romance. Those two characters will start a romance outside of you. Okay. Uh, which is really neat. I don't think that's – I don't know if that's been done in like a Dragon Age game because one of the things about Bioware Companions is their their entire oh, world revolves around the main character right, in a way right. that is like a little hinky. Um, they will start a romance and it will – and eventually he can like – you know, she will get really upset hmm. about, you know, if you break that up. Um, it is neat. Like there's a lot more kind of uh, inter-party – intricacy than maybe it seems like or there should be for a game of this vintage no so neat stuff yeah no that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i I have not picked him up he just didn't really fit in my party that well yeah he sucks yeah the (laughs) animus sucks the the the, i'm like he's he's useful yeah (laughs) but also and until you do his thing he has he's a cleric with 12 wisdom you break you know and it gets it gets bumped up to 16 he gets more wise because i uh like I, I because you because you passed the test for him. Yeah, yeah. Because I, oh, I just, I just have to tell him. Like he just kept saying, like I feel that I'm not quite good enough. And I'd be like, No, you're fine. Like, <laughs> you're... I, I've never like it was it was a real role playing experience where I felt like a woman on the internet. 
during the entire time. <laughs> and I was just the entire time like fluffing Animan's ego until eventually he got wise. Like it increased his stats because I fluffed his ego enough. That's a, that that, you know? that is a really really weird moral to that story. Yeah, do do enough emotional labor for like persistent men, <laughs> and they'll become statistically better. They'll become quantitatively <laughs> better humans. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, oh man, there, 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 there's somebody who's going to be angry that we are painting ammo, ammo with that brush. I don't, I don't know if anybody likes Animan. Like, yeah. I, th- I came to think he's interesting. Like, when I read and watched the scenes of when he like does his fallout, like yeah. I thought that was cool. Like, I didn't, re- I knew that was a thing intellectually, but I never really thought about it. And then like actually seeing it, I like it's neat that they can make a character and just have there be real consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, to that and just like what an interest. Like he'd be the villain of another game. Oh yeah. Like you know he's he's uh he's like Wheatley. Oh, from yeah. uh, Portal 2 or something. Like, you just don't pay him enough respect, and he just becomes the villain. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the, 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 I'm trying to find where we where we can continue. We're, we're at combat and adventuring. Oh, yes, we are. We covered companions. Yeah, and so weirdly enough, this is such a huge part of it that, you know, it's weird that we are an hour in and just getting to kind of like the one of the main things that is cool about this. Um, so you do control this whole party that we've been talking about. This is kind of a top-down isometric perspective game. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, uh, the, the way that they handle the time, the way time passes in battles, the way they handle turns is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, uh, this combination, um, you can set it to turn-based. I think that combat would go way too slow if you made it purely turn-based, but yeah. you can play it as, you know, a tact, like a turn-based tactical game. Yeah. Where every time a character comes up, their move comes up, you move into an action or whatever you can do in a turn. Um, what is much more uh, smooth and what it's kind of made for is this uh, – you set up a series of kind of auto-pauses. Like whenever you want to have the game pause on certain events. Like if a character dies or a character becomes helpless, mm-hmm. you know, like if a character gets held or, or gets uh, stunned. Um, or when you see an enemy, which is a, you know a good one. Um, and otherwise, you give them directions. You pause it, give them directions, unpause. Right. And then let them go for a little while. You watch the battle. You see what's happening. When you need to do something, you pause again, and and you jump in as kind of the hand of God. Yes. But you let these kind of robust AIs take care of most of the stuff. And there's actually tons of customization you can do for this. It's kind of hidden in the game. Yeah. Um, but on their character sheets, you can go through and really change how they act. Yeah, you can you yeah. can get under the under the hood, and thankfully there are a lot of presets that you can do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the ones that come with the characters tend to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to mess with this if you don't want to. It's, But it's not – it reminds me a little bit of like Gambit, the mm-hmm. Gambit system in FF12 yeah. a little bit. I was I was actually – not shocked is the wrong word. I was pleased at how robust this is. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. like micromanagement is fun sometimes for like big battles. But, you know, early on you encounter enough just like swarms of goblins that I just kind of want to let – I just kind of want to trust them to handle that for me. Yeah. And you can. Yeah. You know, you can. And the fact that, so in your round in D&D is six seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that stuff you can handle in a round. Yeah. You know, like it, it can be, one of the things I really love about this game is that if a combat is not significant, it goes by so fast. Yeah. Um, because it all happens on the screen. You know, I, like I'm going to get through these these four episodes without making too many JRPG comparisons because it's so they're so different. But you just don't get that, like the camera swooping in mm-hmm. the music starting up. Like there's just no time wasted. Like your characters yeah. will just go and they'll, they, they have AI. They'll just take care of it. Like sometimes like they will just see an enemy and go kill it before I can do anything. <laughs> you know, combat in this game is extremely quick. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and so, so this, this, this is a point from later on, but like the way they handle loot is especially cool too. Cause it's not like you're going and clicking on each individual person. It just pulls up a menu of what's available on the ground yeah. and you can just quickly like just snap it up. If you're, if you're I, think, nearby. I think that's actually an enhanced edition thing. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, that's... like it's, it's super good though. Like I mean, every it's it's easier to play enhanced edition than not mm-hmm. now. So like that is such a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you kill enemies, you can. Um, so you're gonna pause like when you need to actually manage the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody really needs a heal. Somebody really needs to. Uh, somebody's been dominated. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you look down on it, it looks like just a bunch of garbage like it looks like <laughs> yeah. just a bunch of little guys like swinging at each other it's really hard to parse it mm-hmm. um so it takes a minute to like read situations yeah you have to get, uh, you have to get used to the resolution uh you have to uh hey gary how do you zoom in uh mouse wheel oh okay so i'm not playing oh. with it i'm not playing with a mouse with a wheel so i should probably oh. fix that yeah yeah. I, yeah I don't i don't there might be another way to do it but i don't know yeah um, well, you can with the, the scroll wheel um zoom in and kind of see and it's kind of fun just to look at the monsters you don't really need to though because you read the fight kind of by hovering your mouse over monsters and seeing your characters will give kind of a ballpark, mm-hmm. like badly injured, you know, nearly dead, injured, yeah. you know, barely injured, um, and looking just at your characters, and you can see little symbols that show if they have status effects on them, positive, negative, and how much health they have Yeah, uh, left. And uh, you can decide who needs a potion or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're moving around this world, we mentioned there's no different screen for combat. Um, it's kind of like you're moving around. I, I'm glad you have this comparison here. Is it similar to like moving around in an RTS? Yeah. Um, moving around in Baldur's Gate is not that different than moving around in like Warcraft three. Yeah. Like so many of the tools, like like just the, like the individual verbs that you're doing. Like if you want to select a bunch of people in your party, you drag a, you drag a little selection Mm -hmm. box, you have control and shift click. Like, you know, it just, if you, if you know, if you, if you have that muscle memory built in, you're going to manage it in a similar way, like right down to like fog of war. You know, if one Mm -hmm. of your characters could not see an enemy because of line of sight, then it will just not appear to you. And so scouting becomes a huge, huge deal. And, and scouting. Yeah. I love scouting in this game. They give you a lot of tools for it, more tools than they do in the the first game. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being like essential and fun. Mm Mm-hmm. To like come around a corner, you know, turn off your AI, send your, you know, invisible person or your thief around a corner, see like, okay, there's a wizard and there's two golems here. Um, so I need to key up this to deal with the wizard and I need to equip this weapon that it has the minimum bonus that damages golem. Mm-hmm. You know, this character with the plus three weapon needs to go after the stone golem. Yeah. And you it's, know? you know, it's such a, it, it is such a good rhythm to be like, okay, uh, what I'm really going to spend the most time thinking about and worrying about is my opening gambit, figure yes. out what I needed to do, what I need to do at the outset to make this, to make this battle auto winnable. And yeah. then just watching, watching the play to see if you need to call an audible. And if you're, if you are spending that time on that preparation, which is such a huge part of uh, combat in this, Mm -hmm. you can take very climactic encounters can end very quickly. Yeah. (laughs) um, Which is really cool in a way that I feel like uh, later games, you know, either Dragon Age games, just they don't want that to happen. Right. right. Like they don't, they don't want a boss encounter to end very fast. Mm -hmm. So they would have a character like, you know, that character would become invincible for a time or you'd have more damage deflection or the character would be, that character would be immune to your debuffs or they would have a second health bar or something like that. Here it's like, Okay, you know, I'm going to fight this this big wizard. If I can get my archer in there to interrupt his casts, like he can he'll have an automatic, you know, stone skin that goes up, like an automatic mm-hmm. shield. If I can get my wizard in there to debuff that and then my archer in there to pepper him with arrows so he can't recast it, I can kill this like climactic wizard in less than a round. No. Yeah. Because I was very smart and did a lot of preparation. Yeah. Or here's a huge army of goblins that's here with a with a wizard backing them up. 
I could go in there and fight that, but they might wear me down. I can also send in my guy, uh, a wizard eye to scout that out, and then send my my mage just from outside of range with a wand of cloud kills and kill them all in one hit. <laughs> you know, and it just you can break the rules in a way by like everything follows the rules. Yeah. In this, which is a thing that games stop doing. Right. Um, it was one of the things, I mean, we talked about this on Check It Out Comrade, but one of the big things, the reason why I loved uh, Divinity Original Sin more than I liked Pillars of Eternity is Divinity Original Sin has a bad story, but it allows you to do that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. you, everything plays by the rules. So you can kind of like, che- it's not cheating. Like yeah. it's the kind of thing you would do at tabletop. Like it only right. feels like cheating because video games are so used to controlling <laughs> your approach. Right. You know, but in in a tabletop game, if I was DMing and a character was like, I'm going to be invisible, sneak up on this army, and I'm going to shoot a cloud kill at them, I would be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, You're it's never ex- going to say no. It's expressive exploitation. Yes. You know, and in a modern game, you know, what would happen is you would get within a mile of them, and then the main character would automatically, the main villain would automatically see you and give mm-hmm. you a speech. Yeah. And here, that just never happens. Like, mm-hmm. everything plays by the rules. It has a simulationist bent to it. Like, everything exists in second edition D&D. So, if... When you solve a problem like that, when you solve a difficult combat in Baldur's Gate 2, you, the player, feel very clever. It's not that your avatars are powerful. It's that you did the right preparation and had the right strategy or the right exploitation to, like, win that. Mm-hmm. And it feels great. Um, everything, you know, is the rules. Like, you fight liches in this, and they only do magic. And you can get a, a scroll of protection against magic that just neutralizes all spells. <laughs> and there's nothing to stop you from sending in one character that's protected from magic and just fucking up the witch. <laughs> and, then just, and then just, like, giving them noogies and taking yeah, his lunch yeah, money. Yeah, <laughs> holding, doing that thing where you hold his head back. Yeah. And he, he kind of reaches out. <laughs> <his arms laughs> little, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and he'll have protections up and stuff. And that doesn't work perfectly every uh-huh. time. But you can do that kind of right, stuff. Right, right. You know, yeah. and, and figuring out those exploitations is just, like, really fun like yeah. there's like this puzzle game aspect to it it just it, it rewards fluency in the system mm-hmm. yeah. and that just feels good mm-hmm. like it just feels really good to get past one of these things no yeah. you know so i did i just love that um preparation a lot of times is stacking buffs yeah um so like those little those low level spells that you have are really essential like bless and haste and chant and defensive harmony and things like that are really huge mm-hmm because uh, everything you know comes down to it's a low it's a small numbers RPG at its heart. We're dealing with numbers between one and twenty as far as benefits and stuff. So right. the minimum something can help you is five percent. You know, and if you uh you're doing a lot of swing. So like yeah. if you do chant, which is gives you your team plus one on everything and the negative the opposing team net minus one on everything, the ten percent swing, uh swings are happening constantly. Yep. <laughs> so you're gonna catch that ten percent. Yeah. You know. A lot. Or if you take a – and that extends the proficiencies and stuff. If you take a proficiency that doubles your, your crit range, yeah, you know, you're just attacking all the time. Like everything happens very fast in this. So like anything that just happens 10% or 15% more will be huge. Yeah. There, it's very rare for something to feel negligible. Yeah. Like yeah. there really aren't. Like there aren't buffs and debuffs that are that are negligible. Like right. slow will win you battles. Haste will win you battles. Things yeah. like that. Like, and and just, it's just like it's ridiculous, you know, that you just end up <laughs> learning a level two spell does not does not get rid of the need for a level one spell. Yeah. Like that is, you, you know, in fact, you're rewarded even further. Like for me, it's more exciting to get, you know, more slots of a lower level than to have like one slot of a higher level thing. Well, and there are kind of dud levels too. Yeah, yeah. like that's a weird D and D second edition thing. But I've never found anything like I'm looking at you fourth level spells. Fourth level. Come on, exactly. Yeah, fourth <laughs> level is just not super fun. Yeah, um, fifth level you get good shit. Yeah, third level you get good shit, but fourth level is not super fun. Right. Um. So like getting you know magic missile is is useful for the entire game. Right. Like you know you'll run into characters with magic resistance that block it, but 
it will just melt. You know, fighters don't have that. Right. And your high-level wizards casting magic, you know, five cast of magic missile very quickly mm-hmm. uh, will just do do gangbusters. Like when you eventually get time stop, you can get items that reduce your casting times. So you can just during a time stop, you can cast all of your magic missiles for free. <laughs> so if you have that memorized seven times, yeah, you can throw forty-nine magic missiles at somebody for free. <laughs> you know, during a fight like pretty crazy yeah one thing i do wish and this is just i don't know maybe the efficiency hound and me i wish that there was a way to set up macros because it is a little mm. bit of a bummer to like just okay i'm gonna press one and fire off these spells and press two and fire off these spells i wish that there was just a way like i could hotkey okay just fire off fire off these yeah. these particular buffs there, there's not that but there are uh there's two spells um contingency and um uh, the other one is escaping my name, but there is a one where you can set up a macro. Hmm. You, uh, you, you put spells into a slot. Hmm. Um, so it's like, I want to instantly cast this level one and this level two spell. Okay. And you put those in the new, it becomes a special ability. And then you get a contingency, which means you allow it, it sets conditions. Hmm. So you can say like, when I am helpless, when I'm at 50% health, cast for for free and instantly the seal spell nice or whenever i see an enemy cast haste on, it can only be targeted at you mm-hmm. the uh, the low level one but you can make it so your carry your party will auto haste nice essentially like you can get spells for that it's still not quite macros like because you have to actually cast the spell it's all within world mm-hmm. you know it's not part of the system but they do allow for that yeah yeah um, yeah, which, uh, which is, and that's what the enemy is doing when you run into a mage and they already have like they instantly have stone skin. Mm-hmm. It's because they have a contingency for C enemy cast yeah, stone yeah. skin on myself. Yeah, way into that so, stuff. But yeah, it's it's neat that allows you to do that, and that gets very powerful mm-hmm. uh, later in the game. Yeah, um, marching order is a thing in this. Uh, so is mm-hmm. like auto formation. Like you have a whole palette again, like an RTS here. Um, the, it's good to reevaluate these because a, a formation for going through a hallway is different than a formation for the woods. Yes. Things like that. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, you, you know, your characters will have AI and they'll mostly take care of themselves. Uh, you can turn this on and off. Um, you want to learn how to micromanage combat, even if you don't need to do it for every combat. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to become proficient. Uh, turning AI off is, AI off is huge. Yep. Um, very useful for scouting and like tricks and things. Um, like there, there can be like, oh, there's a room with a treasure and there are golems that come to life when I grab the treasure. I don't want all my characters to auto fight these golems that I can't hit. Yeah. I want my character, one character to run in, grab the treasure and not fight them. Just get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and you can do that kind of thing. Or, or there, there, there is a room with a bunch of traps up ahead. There are enemies in here. I don't want my entire party to just like the yeah, battle yeah, yeah. 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 and just trip all of the traps. Yeah. Uh, there. Um, yeah, that's very important. Yeah. Um, you uh, you rest a lot to gain back your spells and uh, gain back. One of the things they added to Baldur's Gate 2 is rest until healed mm-hmm. as, a, as a thing. Otherwise, you'd have to manually do that, which is a huge pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can rest until healed. Um, you can, That can be interrupted depending on where you're at. Yeah. There are safe places to rest and un, unsafe places to rest. Um, I talked about this for a whole, like, several paragraphs in the in the Infinity Engineer <laughs> blog, but it's kind of a dumb thing because you can just save scumming. Yeah. Quick save and quick load until you don't get interrupted. Because getting interrupted, it tends to be by like a low level trash mob. It's never mm-hmm. anything interesting. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's not like feeling. It'd be interesting if there was if there was story content that was there. Like, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the dun the dungeon janitor came by or something. That would be but, awesome, actually. Yeah. Like if there were non combat interruptions. <laughs> yeah. You know, just like Anamin farts. Ah, oh, my lady. <laughs> I, I see you have had too many good berries. It disagrees with me. Uh, please. You know? I can't, bad berries. I, I can't. I can't see or hear good berries without thinking about Good Burger. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's, that, that's a second level clear spot. Okay. There. Yeah. Good burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, and uh, there there are different kinds of like just persistent effects you can get. Like you can get drunkenness. Uh, you can be mm-hmm. fatigued if you're active for too long, uh, which gives yep. you a disadvantage. Again, that is uh, not negligible. So you want to make sure that you are resting and managing. Um, although, like I think in game time, it took me eight days to get out to get out of Irenicus's dungeon because I was yeah, a sleepy yeah. boy. Yep, and yeah, when you excuse me, you want to rest a lot, um, yeah. and. For the most part, the game is very generous with time limits and will tell you. Yeah, yeah. And there are most of the time limits in the early part of the game are doing character quests. Like, a character will, you know, will say, hey, like, I need to go look up my long-lost daughter or whatever. And if you just don't do it for a while, they'll say, hey, we really need to do this. And then right. they'll leave. They'll give you a warning. Yeah. Um, later on, there will be more explicit time limits, but they're very, uh, they tell you. Yeah. They say you have three days to do this. You have one day to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, it doesn't gotcha yeah. with those things generally. That's good. Um, but you will use more time than you think because you sleep mm-hmm. like the whole, I'm on day like 94 of the game and where I'm at in the game. So I have my yeah. characters spent 94 days. That's a big quest. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an epic level quest. Um, yeah. Uh, there is a, there's a, like an area map and a world map, uh, that you can use like that. You can switch between, um, to either travel to different sections of the city or travel mm-hmm. outside the city, um, or to later areas. You also have a journal, which keeps your, your quest straight. Um, as you kind of explore new areas and accumulate twas- uh, quests. Yeah. Uh, the way the world map articulates is really interesting to me. Uh, so mm-hmm. traveling to places takes time in game. Um, and also, like, you cannot get to a place if you have not been to an adjoining place. So even though you're not walking around on a world map, you do have to, like, discover discover areas before you can get yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. You, uh, you'll hear about them. Someone will mark it on your map, and then you can make that journey. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't just walk around... Uh, Free, you don't free ball it. You don't like fall out it. Yeah. Um, and you will get random random encounters on the way and it will take a long time mm-hmm. uh, to travel between uh, those things. So that can be actually really dangerous. Like if you leave the city to go to an outside of the city area and you are not particularly strong, you can get, you know, ambushed by ogres or whatever. And it can actually be a big deal. Yeah. So you want to, you want to prepare for the journey, mm-hmm. you know, like you would in a tabletop game, you know, to go stay at the end. And um, one of the things I love is how hilarious this, I just don't know where else we'd put this. Um, how hilariously cheap the end prices are. So every single time, I'd be like, give me the royal suite. Like, <laughs> yes. I have like 10,000 gold. Like, I'll spend 30. For you know, just to, and you, you heal better. Like, you get more healing from yeah, it. But that yeah. doesn't really matter because I have healing spells. Uh-huh. So it's just more like I'm going to treat my little guys. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a princely sum of 25 gold pieces. Yep. It's so cheap. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm, I now have 95,000 gold uh, as I'm <laughs> getting ready to head back to the city. So I'm... I'm money is not a thing. <laughs> You're just going to go uh, back and just big mistake. Every NPC who ever gave you shit for being oh, yeah. poor. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to buy and sell fucking uh, the, the guy in the adventures, Mart. <laughs> like nary a fancy illustration to be had. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, go to hell. <laughs> fancy, fancy illustrate my ass. Yeah. Oh, your, your, your hotel is as clean as an elven arse. <laughs> we'll see about that. Piss. <laughs> I piss everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna start saying that when I piss down. Piss. <laughs> and that's the sound effect it makes when it goes. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 onomatopoeia. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I've got quite the onomatopoeic member you got there. Mm. Uh, Butterfield. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And like being in town is just like being in a dungeon. You're 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 rolling around with your folks. Uh and you can be yeah. attacked too, like you know, civilization is dangerous. Yeah. 
Yeah, you get mugged and stuff like that. And different areas have different encounter rates. So, like, if you're in nice areas of town, you're less likely to get mugged. Mm-hmm. Stuff is, like that. Is, is there a mod that'll add the Fallout to the beginning? Oh, that, 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 <laughs> that sound? No, I don't think so, but I, I do love that sound. Like, yeah. You know, the... Uh, yeah, no, it it just happens. Yeah. Like, it would be really interesting to play this without any auto pauses. Oh yeah. Um, what what's your what's your auto pause sitch? Um, I'm I I I am rolling it manual, man. I'm rolling oh, yeah. it manual and paying attention. So yeah, no, uh, I I always do uh, enemy spotted mm-hmm. and trap spotted. Okay. Um, so like trap spotted to stop you know walking over traps. Mm-hmm. When I see them and then enemy spotted just so I can see you know if I stumble upon somebody if I didn't scout. Yeah. I can then you know choose but doing it that way makes it like doing lots of auto pausing would be interesting yeah and playing no auto pausing is interesting because i just i imagine you you're just walking through the city and it's like well shit my guys are fighting now you <laughs> yeah. know like yeah. some guy came out of nowhere to, to mug me yeah and uh, i i am working i'm doing more work because i'm lazy i just you know wanted to see a bunch of content so i could be ready for this episode and i didn't feel like getting in there and monkeying around with those with that stuff so i may take your tack and do enemy spotted and trap spotted um, those those two are out. pretty easy. Yeah. Like for as far as uh, they don't interrupt the game too much. Yeah. Like it, it won't damage the pace. Mm-hmm. Um, trap spotted is actually really huge. Like we should talk about traps. Yeah, we should. In this, um, so traps uh, is the main. Re- it's what justifies a thief. Yes. Like there are a couple of things to pickpocket in the game, but mostly uh, traps and open locks are the two things your thieves are gonna, your thieves going to do because invisibility is cheap and it's always going to be better for scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, a trap will appear. Your character is like on a round basis will make a check. To see if they can find a trap, mm-hmm. which means you can still walk into traps even if you have trap uh, effects, like trap detecting effects mm-hmm. available. Either a, there's a cleric spell that does it, or your thief. And that can be kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, you actually, you know, it wants you to kind of go slow, uh, as you're you're going down this dungeon, like you're actually checking. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've had many times where a character will trigger a trap, get hit by a fireball, and then the uh, trap detected and pops <laughs> up and I get the little red outline of the trap. Uh, yeah you have this little context sensitive button for your thief though that will unlock things and uh detrap things yeah yeah once you find them super useful um you know and there are spells that can approximate some of those things but it is nice having a thief around because they're you know they're they're useful-ish in combat too yeah yeah Yeah. thieves are not are no slouch in fighting um especially if you keep them away from the the front lines their biggest thing is armor but they can use you know good weapons yeah um the yeah and you can you can uh, memorizing spells just for that is kind of a pain. Like find traps is easy; you'll last for a long time. But mm. memorizing enough knock spells to do all the <laughs> unlocking you're going to need is kind of a pain. And there is no trap disarm spell. Yeah. So you can you just have to kind of take it on the chin if you don't have a thief with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and and, the, and those traps can be really devastating. Like oh, the, yeah. it's a, it's a big deal in the opening dungeon. Even it, it hammers it home pretty hard. That uh, you know like I, you know I, I had characters die to traps. You know like yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. an instant reload. Happen, it happens really frequently. Since my uh, my main thief is a character named Jan, uh, who I have with me, I love uh, Jan is like vaguely genre aware. Like he's he's my favorite chaotic neutral character in a in a game, mm-hmm. uh, and he uh, he's vaguely aware he's in a game. So I've had him walk up, accidentally set off a trap uh, that kills him because <laughs> he has low HP because he's a he's a thief illusionist, mm-hmm. and he always says, uh, "Don't forget to raise me," <laughs> uh, which I, which I love is like I mean it's not really genre aware, but it's just a very funny thing to say as you're dying. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good yeah I, I i i'm on the lookout for jan i haven't found him just yet so. he's good like yeah. he's uh he's he's good and i think he's legitimately funny he's yeah. like the the upside of minsk like he's kind of random as well but he's not minsk yeah so yeah. he's you know he and his stories are actually like pretty funny yeah and so. and also it's uh it like it has to be uh an aware joke that it's jan jansen 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so so yeah. you 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 I think you'll like Jan. Jan yeah. is, is one of my favorite characters in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So between the um, combat and this adventuring stuff, you know, something that I am having a lot of fun with within this, and this is a huge Gary Butterfield text thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's an awful lot of player expression in this. You can, you know, take advantage of the rules to uh, to mm-hmm. find multiple ways around. I'm happy that you called that you called out the uh, simulation elements in this. It does mm-hmm. feel of a piece with immersive sim kind of stuff. The only difference is perspective. Yeah, yeah, you you are able to uh, tackle these problems in a lot of different ways. Yeah, you know, and sometimes that's literally dialogue. You know, in a, in a classic kind of immersive sim sense, like without spoiling something, there's a really great. Um, later on, you uh, are in disguise, and a character uh, who is a psychic uh, threatens to expose you <laughs> unless you go do this task for them. And one of the things you can do is say, "Well, if you expose me, I expose you," and they go. Well played. And you just get a lot of experience from like thinking your way out of this, you know, this dialogue thing. Um, you can just kind of talk your way out of a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, if a character gives you a quest, uh, says like, I have a key that you need. If you go do this thing for me, I'll give you the key. You can almost always pickpocket that key and you can always just kill them. Yeah. Get the key. So it does have that like immersive sim, like everything is playing by the same rules mm-hmm. feeling to it. And like, that's just a thing that I value game designers letting you do, you know, like the game designer wants you to do the quest they set up, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, this guy is going to give you the key, the red key, if you go get the green square and they want you to see all the stuff on the way to the green, green square. But if you as a player, if you're just like, ah, I don't care, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to. Yeah. And that's so good. Like, I just, I really value that in games. Like, don't force me to see your stuff. Yeah. You know, um, especially for me, like, you know, I played this multiple times, so I know what the stuff is. But also just like maybe from a role playing perspective, like I just don't my character wouldn't truck with that. You know, I'm sassy. I'm not gonna go do this, go I'm not your green square <laughs> grabber. Right. You know? So I don't know. Like it, it, I really like that it allows for that. Mm-hmm. Um so inventory and equipment. Uh you spend a lot of time getting loot. Um either from fallen enemies, which we mentioned how you get that on the floor, um, from containers, or just you get uh, quest rewards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or you shop. Um, you have to, you are going to spend a lot of time working with the game economy of this, um, yeah. upgrading your equipment, buying new equipment, you know, checking out store inventories. Yeah. So, um, and you know, so this is D and D, which means that there's going to be a lot of chaff. There's going to be a lot of mundane equipment. However, there's also going to be a lot of magical and special equipment, you know, mm-hmm. which you're going to have to go through the step of identifying. Uh, but it, it allows you to customize your party even further than they already are. Yeah, and you get a lot of really cool items, and yeah. you get a lot of legendary D&D items. Mm-hmm. Like, this being the Ur D&D game, like, you will get a Vorpal Sword. Like, you will get the, the Holy Avenger. You know, you'll get all of these things that, like, have meaning if you, you know, play D&D. Mm-hmm. You know, my, you can get the Robe of Vecna. Yeah. <laughs> things like that. Um, there's a, I love that there's a shop that sells stuff from other Infinity Engine games. <laughs> I mean, you can buy a bunch of stuff from, there's, like, a, a dimensional traveler who, like, sells things from Torment. Nice. That have had their mechanics uh, kind of switched over to this. I think they're yeah. really neat. Um, and that selling all that junk is a real simulationist thing. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, the weapon shop sells a regular ass sword. Yeah. <laughs> Why I, I do, definitely don't need a regular ass sword, but it would be weird if they didn't sell it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what do you mean you don't carry gum? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Everybody sells um, gum. So this means you know, each character has their own individual inventory. So there's a lot of, like, moving things around in your inventory and taking up space, which can kind of be a bummer. Like, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's, you know, it drags the pacing a little bit. You eventually get special containers, um, that, that help with this. Again, like if I would make one change, like if I made a mod for this, it would just be that you get the potion container, the ammo belt, 
mm-hmm. the scroll thing and the gem bag all in the first dungeon. Yeah, yeah. And you can you can save the bag of holding for when you get it in the actual game because it feels really cool when you get it. Mm-hmm. But the uh, other than that, like just make it so you can get all those management simplifying things right away yeah yeah because it, it just it makes no sense that i can either hold five helmets or f- <laughs> five helmets or, or five scroll, scrolls pieces of paper yeah yeah <laughs> like it's, it's a little silly yeah they just take up a slot mm-hmm. yeah um, and there's they're like there's encumbrance on top of that but like you end up you know you have c- characters of varying strength so you can load up your mules with the heavy stuff it's just a lot of yeah. switching around yep and uh yeah and it, it encourages a rhythm of going and offloading stuff at the store yeah you know, like you end up once you're full of inventory stuff, like some of these dungeons, I always resist taking breaks in the middle of them. But much like if you're playing the tabletop game, it is not unusual to go back to civilization, sell your haul, yeah, yeah, resupply on healing potions or whatever, and then go back in. Yeah, you know, they want that kind of rhythm of you doing that. Um, the longer the game goes on, the less time I spend uh, in stores. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like to wait until as long as I can, and then I go identify everything. Yeah. Do a grand reequip, <laughs> and then you know because because you, you're able to. But early on, you're going to be able, that's going to be a tighter loop. Yeah, yeah, especially because you're going to be looking for money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, how kind of the the economy, <clears throat> the money economy in the game. Yeah. Um. So most of the time when you're in civilization or when you're kind of getting these quests, um, you're spending a lot of time reading. Like mm-hmm. it's a very talky game. Yeah. Not as talky um, as torment. As, <laughs> no, not as many words as torment, but it is a lot of text. Yes. Um, so you have to be down to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's some cutscenes which are uh, actually pretty cool. They just give you like mosaic art um, mm-hmm. with narrated dialogue or, you know, just a, kind of a summary of where you're at. Um, but a lot of it is just kind of dialogue with other townspeople or with important NPCs as you are getting these quests and then talking your way, talking your way through them. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of flavor dialogue as well. Yeah. You know, like there, every bar has people who are not quest essential mm-hmm. uh, that you can chat with. Um, there's also, uh, cutscenes that will appear, um, you know, they're actually cutscenes that happen tend to be between chapters Yeah, that will just actually show the little, the little paper dolls, little men doing their thing. Um, and there are also little like kind of cutscenes that will happen on the street sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you will walk up and you will see characters uh, interacting with each other. Some of these are Easter eggs with Baldur's Gate 1. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Baldur's Gate 1 companions, uh, end up in this game and you can't take them with you. Um, you just see them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you see what they're up to. And a lot of them have met kind of bad fates. Mm. Um, but you will just walk up and they'll be, oh, like in this section, there's two two guys like courting this woman. And they get into a duel over her. Yeah. And you can just watch, stop and watch that conversation <laughs> if you want. Or you can keep going and ignore it. It is up to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that I like is that you, you're not just choosing what information you want to see, but you're also choosing your, the, your tone and posture. Mm-hmm. So you can get to the same point, but you can do it as kind of like a nice, helpful, curious person or as just a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or a mercenary person. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that this gives you the remit in Chapter 2, which is like one of the genius things about this game, uh, of giving you a real reason to side quest and raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just say, like, I am sympathetic. However, I'm trying to raise a lot of money. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but my friend is kidnapped. Or I'm sorry, but this, you know, I have to go kill this fucker. <laughs> um, I need a lot of money for that. Yeah. Can you... <laughs> Help me with that. And you can always use that as a justification, and it, it's not you being a dick. It's got a little bit of that Witcher flavor. Mm-hmm. Like, this is your job. Yeah. You know, you're not being an asshole to ask for money. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, this actually, there's a, a whole um, kind of reaction adjustment thing that is based on your reputation and your charisma when your character shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is how NPCs react. Sometimes this can be what they say. Uh, oftentimes it's just prices of things. Yeah. 
but sometimes there are some checks, not as many as there would be in like New Vegas or whatever, or even in like Fallout. Yeah. But there are some checks about, you know, how uh, how good, how well-known your character is, how charismatic they are that might change something. Yeah. Are there like aggression checks? Like are there like, oh, I'm going to kill you? I think there there are things that can happen where somebody will either choose to fight or let you go based on mm. reputation, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, I don't have them specifically in mind mm-hmm. right now, but it will – there are things that will check that or check stats. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it is kind of flavor mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like there's a thing in the section where I'm at where uh, a character refers to, to mind flayers. And uh, you you have to guess they they mention something that does and you have to guess what the creature is and he mm-hmm. likes you if you have a high enough intelligence you can call them illithids mm-hmm. and he likes that and if yeah. you call them mind flayers it's neutral and if you call them like brain suck boys <laughs> he, he thinks you're yes, dumb he's, and if yeah. you call them koatoa he's like you fucking idiot <laughs> and he really doesn't like you yeah yeah so like there are little little things like that that it's not as robust as it would be in like Fallout Two mm-hmm. or Fallout One like it's not that yeah you know it's not an Obsidian game but it does there are hints of it yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can resolve things nonviolently if you would like to. You can take shortcuts. You can avoid uh, situations. You can press your advantage just by choosing uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the the right dialogue option, which well, – go, go ahead. I was going to say one of the things I love too is you can do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody is – if somebody is – if you're playing a good character and somebody is a fucker and they're about to walk and you just decide like, no, this guy doesn't get to walk. Like you can always just choose to fight as well. You can choose to resolve things that are would be nonviolent as violently. And you can uh, go along with a violent, uh, like an evil scheme and have your, for long enough to expose it and then turn at the end. Yeah. You know, and just be like, no, I was just doing this too. Like it allows for some of that non-black and white morality. Like you lying, you pretending to be evil Mm -hmm. to go along with something or you pretending to be good. Yeah. To get something. Mm Mm-hmm. One thing, one thing that I do wish was a little bit streamlined, or maybe I'm just used to later games that uh, take care of this, is that um, the game doesn't discard or mark choices that will lead to information that you've already seen. So there were times where it's like, oh, I'm I'm talking in circles because it's showing me a different input, and I'm getting it. I'm getting a, the same output. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It is a. You have to be. You have to manage your um your dialogue tree. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit more, or at least it's not even managed. It's they tend to be simpler, and there there's a lot of space for repetition in it. Yeah. So that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you can also uh, go to different uh, kind of bars. There's lots of bars and inns. Like to rest and buy things. You can also drink, which is how you get um, rumors. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you don't know where quests are, that will kind of give you uh, where to start. Give you leads. To yeah. pick up. That give you leads um, by buying a bunch of different colorful Colorful drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, there is main one big city, um, which we which we spend most of our time in, or in uh, Athlaka, Athkatla. Athkatla. Uh, we spend most of, your, most of our time in, but also uh, there are smaller cities as well. Some of which are actually fairly big. Like Trade Meet is a big city, like you know, relatively big city. Mm-hmm. Still one screen, but it's not insignificant. Right. Um, that you'll kind of go through throughout the world. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and that's a bunch of the mechanical generalities. I'm sure there are like edge cases that we didn't account for. Um, mm-hmm. We can talk about the history of the game, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is, as we mentioned, this has a, a lot of the benefit um, of being in the Infinity Engine, already having that having been developed, and having uh, Baldur's Gate 1 already be out. Because yeah. they literally just uh, asked, hey, how can we make this better? Mm-hmm. You know, from the first one. And the first one had this huge, you know, very wide uh, player base. Like, tons of people bought it. Yeah. 
you know, so it, it really benefited from having the uh, the first game come out. Yeah. And also, you know, they weren't making the Infinity Engine alongside this. They had their tools yes. already set, right? Yep. So they can concentrate on content. Yeah. Um, there's also, you know, some of that feedback that they talked about that was just streamlining. They also had a different uh, kind of vision for it. So one of the things about, um, you know, I, re- I dug up this old interview from IGN where they're talking about it. And they're saying that Baldur's Gate 2 is actually smaller uh, than Baldur's Gate 1 in terms of area. Hmm. Um, Baldur's Gate 1 is really trying to go for that Lord of the Rings, low-level D&D, like going through the wilderness and having random encounters. So there are huge wilderness areas you go through in Baldur's Gate 1 uh, that have very little in them. Right. Uh, and they're just, you know, players didn't like these. They didn't really like that flavor. They thought it was a waste of time, so we got rid of them. Yeah. So this is smaller, but it's so amazingly dense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that takes more time as well. You know, other than just making a big green field you walk through, it does take more time to do bespoke content in every single corner of the game. Mm-hmm. Because you're not just laying out a bunch of places to walk through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like tree, you know, d- you know, dropping tree.jpg. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they also had a pretty strict design process for this. Um, uh, you know, there, there are articles that talk about how each team had their own um, kind of guideline. Uh, you know, just, uh, from the top down, they were trying to make sure that every team's output would fit together in, 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 in a way that would help the end product as opposed mm-hmm. to Baldur's Gate 1, which my understanding is it ended up being just a little bit, uh, a bunch of people pulling in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. They were obviously still figuring it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, there was kind of a, we talked about how many people died making, uh, you know, uh, Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. Um, the crunch for this game was also not good. Right. Right. Um, uh, testing for the game was really massive because the game is really, really massive. They had this whole system set up where they would pair a tester with a programmer mm-hmm. and try to get through a certain number of quests per day. Right. Um, they would do. So it's like you can do go through three quests per day, and the <laughs> tester would go through it, pushing all the things, and they would work directly with the programmer to fix things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that were fucked up. Yeah, and they also there. had to do the single-player version of a quest and then the multiplayer version as well. Yes, because and that uh, is interesting because I haven't spent a whole lot of time with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, but it is something that I think that in retrospect, like I know people who played it multiplayer and enjoyed it, but I don't think that's the draw. Mm-hmm. And when you read marketing materials and interviews and stuff from when it came out, they spent a lot of time on it. And there were a lot of questions about it. Yeah, I, I think that that might have just been a result of Diablo being as popular as it was with Baldur's Gate 1 and Diablo kind of being dueling games of a kind. Well, there, I think there's that. And there's also a... Um, like land culture yeah yeah that was going on like it would have made a lot more sense to go to a place set up six computers mm-hmm. and have a, a Baldur's gate night like have yeah, like yeah. essentially like D mm-hmm. you know just play D with your friends yeah um yeah but as as is um there is a hack like that is a way if you ever want to just can you know plays like icemond dale uh create all your characters which is a min maxi as hell thing <laughs> um you know so i don't know why you'd want to do that you can play a single mul- uh, multiplayer as a single player and create all your characters mm-hmm. in this if you want to yeah um yeah um we're playing the uh so this has the game has a huge legacy obviously this is one of the the most influential and biggest uh role-playing games of all time um this had a really big legacy it uh there was enhanced edition that got a lot more people to play it um which was released in 2013 mm-hmm. um it included a lot more content um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, bespoke content, the new areas and companions that they designed, yeah. um, it does not have one of the things that's interesting about this. And I guess this probably belongs in development is that there is, this is as big as this is, they had tons of stuff they wanted to do yeah. with it. It has that feeling to it. So you can read about cut content. And if you're playing the original version, there are mods that restore a lot of that cut content. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one is called unfinished business. 
And that's actually really good. Yeah. Um, it's none of it's essential, but there are things like, um, like Minsk, for example, does not have a companion quest. Right. Like he's the, he's the mascot character for the games. <laughs> you know, like if you go and buy a Baldur's Gate comic book, he is the guy right. who's on the cover, but he doesn't have a companion quest. Yeah. There was one planned that similar to like Fallout, they found in the files what that was going to be in design documents and mm-hmm. fans remade it. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's not in the enhanced edition, though. Yeah. Um, they could not get uh, the rights to it, or they couldn't get in touch with the people who had made it or something. The rights situation uh, with the enhanced remake of Baldur's Gate 2 specifically seemed really hairy. Like, there was a point where they said it wasn't coming out because of Atari being weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's not everything it could be. It's not literally everything that was intended for Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah. Um, and so most of the time when you play the game, it's so big and so robust that you're not going to notice stuff like that. Yeah. There's just weird things. Like, you will go to a ta- uh, area of town, and it will be like, you know, uh, uh, the Velen estate mm-hmm. and it's, there's nothing to do there. Yeah. There are no quests that take you there. There's no reason to be in there unless you want to go and just rob some necklaces. Mm-hmm. Um, but that used to be part of a quest that got cut. Yeah. It's things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, there yeah. was an expansion throne of ball uh, that we talked yeah. about. It's a whole other game. Uh, like that would require a different series of yeah. episodes from us. They wouldn't be quite as long. It's not as big, but it's huge. Yeah. You know, and they and they've even said like in interviews in retrospect, they regret just not calling it Baldur's Gate three. Yeah. Like it's essentially Baldur's Gate three. You don't have to have Baldur's Gate three be, you know, twice as big as Baldur's Gate two. Yeah. Um, it's smaller than Baldur's Gate two, but it's really big. Yeah. And it completes the story. Um, I don't think that there is another. Uh, just in terms of legacy, I don't think there's another game series like this. Uh, you can take the same character from Mass Effect one through all the way through three, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't cover the same kind of scope yeah. uh, that this does. You start as this as a level one orphan and you end it as a god, like killing other gods. <laughs> right. Um, and it takes an appropriate amount of time. At no point does that feel quick or unearned or unpaced. Yeah. Um, and with the uh, – they made a thing called a Siege of Dragon Spear, uh, Beamdog, uh, the company that handles the enhanced editions now, um, that bridges the gate between uh, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Um so you can actually do the entire story of the, the ball spawn nice. from level 1 to 30 over the course of 300 hours or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, something just, you know, absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also like a legacy thing just in terms of like that didn't have a big impact, but just as far as like a remarkable achievement in games. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the weirdly, like I think you have to go back in time to get that. Like that's like a gold box thing, like going through all of the pools of Radiance games. With the same character is the closest thing to that, yeah. And, and like Mass Pro- Effect, which that's real. Like I'm not trying to discount. No, no. I mean, Mass Effect is... thing like that, but it's working on a different scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, like, and also, like, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, like, oh, that's a thing in Quest for Glory, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that, but yeah, there's a cool thing you do in Quest for Glory as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the enhanced edition is ported to iPad, like all these enhanced <laughs> ones are. Um, I think it's really awkward to play. Like, Beamdog has this whole statement like, oh, when I conceptualize playing Baldur's Gate or any of these Infinity Engine games, it's like I'm calling plays on the football field, and so the iPad makes sense for it. It's super awkward. Like, mm. more power to you if that's if that's something you're, like, way into. But um, I was disappointed. With, uh, with I know I know people who have done it, but I think I would find it awkward as well. Yeah. Um, Nick played through Torment. That way, that's how he played through Torment the first time. Oh yeah. On his tablet, and he he was okay with it. Yeah. Um, I would have a hard time with it. Probably not idea, the ideal way to play, but I also understand. I'm glad that it exists because some people just have an aversion to playing video games with a mouse. Mm-hmm. You know, like a mouse just isn't for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, if this gets them past that, Yahtzee. Yeah. You know, but it, it, to my mind, it's not the ideal way to play. Yeah. 
Um, there are no true sequels. Again, there's that expansion that's essentially a sequel. Um, there's an action RPG spinoff of this called Dark Alliance, um, also Dark Alliance 2. Mm-hmm. Um, if you own that, you're one of the five richest kings of Europe because <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a rare game. Um, somebody on my Curious Cat was like, hey, are you guys – like any chance are you guys doing Dark Alliance for Out of Suffering as a companion piece? And I said no uh, because I would do Dark Alliance at some point in the future just as a as a game. Yeah, those are um, it, good. Those are fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're fun. It's like it's it's Diablo likes, mm-hmm. you know. But it's in it has that a little bit of that rusting on that really really robust for, Forgotten Realms, you know, skeleton. Yeah, you know that that just uh, it adds a lot of flavor to something that is a very simple game. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, there are spiritual successors, you know, pillar, pillars of eternity. Um, well, and, and Dragon Age, like we yeah. talked about that a lot, but that's how yeah. Dragon Age was sold to me. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> like I had like no interest is... in Dragon Age as a thing, but people were just like, no, this is the spiritual successor to Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate, and that's how they marketed it when they were talking about it. You know, Dragon Age had a famously troubled development process. They pretty much started working on Dragon Age in like 2002, 2004, something like that, and they mm-hmm. were talking about it like, oh, this is this is us taking everything that would be a next generation sequel to Baldur's Gate and putting it into our own world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, and, and Pillars of Eternity, as you mentioned, um, but they're very different games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're good games. Like I slag on Pillars of Eternity because it's my least favorite of those right. new CRPG RPGs, but I still had fun with them. Mm-hmm. It's just, that, so. it's really cool that there is just like, you know, just a bunch of those coming out, that that is a thing that is being made. You know, mm-hmm. your, your, your tyrannies and your tides of Numenera and such like, such like that. Yeah. It's, it's a niche, it's a niche thing, but it's cool that like, some of the things from the turn of the the century um, are kind of, like it reminds me of like the ukulele, mm. you know, like the 3D collection platformer. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like the the good equivalent of that. <laughs> you know, like, what if those were good games? Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, like this is how you do that. You know, instead of just like Spyro, right? And then of course they're just remaking Spyro again because everything because we're you know there's yeah. a cycle. <laughs> we're all trapped in a Dark Souls esque cycle of everything being remade and remastered for yeah. eternity. Yeah. Now let's talk about Baldur's Gate 2, the enhanced edition. Yeah. Remade, remastered. <laughs> your eternity. I, this one is just like a different uh, – this is – I'm not going to say this is better than the Spyro one. Uh-huh. But it's not like a remake. It's just kind of like how do we make this thing playable. Right, right. Which I in general like I'm I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Just like do we really need Crash Bandicoot? You know? Yeah. It yeah. seemed to make a lot of people happy. I, I heard a lot of people didn't like it. I yeah. like a lot of people – I read a lot of just like, oh, this wasn't actually good because you can't – platform in this way like this is, this is too hard yeah. because this is not good platforming i had a lot of people wake up like read a lot of people up. wake up yeah you take, you take the red pill when it comes to crash all right and you realize that you shouldn't platform that way that's a stupid way to do platforming the um i just i just I, I saw a lot of people who were just like i was really excited about this coming out but actually this game is not as good as i remember so mm-hmm. i believe it yeah. the uh um it's as good as i remember it being yeah So this uh, this starts off with a prologue uh, when uh, when you start the game um, that essentially talks about your you know it's this like 
thing from what it's like Avril the Sleepy or something. I can't remember <laughs> the name of the guy who's saying it, but it's a, you know the Lord of Murder shall come back. It's this word from prophecy, right? Right. About uh, the, you know, the, the Lord of Murder having many children and will come back. Yes, and you are a product of this time of troubles. You know, from when Ball walked the earth and said, ah, you know, eventually gods can die, so I need to make as much progeny as possible in order yep. to continue my legacy. The um, time of troubles meant that Ball was raw dog in it across <laughs> the nation. Like, he's essentially, like, just like an uncle. <laughs> like, a, like a biker uncle. Yeah. Raw dog in it from coast to coast. Oh, you know, man. sword coast to sword coast. Yeah, it's like my uncle you know? Tim, Tim of Troubles. Um, yeah, Tim of Tim of Troubles. He just gave you like ah, oh, so many cousins, <laughs> <laughs> cousin of Ball. Yeah, um, the primary antagonist of the previous game, Saravak, you know, killed the Your person. Uh, yeah, yeah, killed killed the person who took you in. Um, yep. uh, Gorion, and a lot of that stuff will be you don't need to know that uh-huh. stuff, but the, a lot of the flashbacks deal with it. Yeah. So like. It is, you know, people say, like, hey, should I play Baldur's Gate 1 before 2? And the answer is, like, kind of. <laughs> like, it's a good game, and it will be hard to go back because mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate 2 is much better. But Baldur's yeah. Gate 1 is still a good game, and it does feel like uh, – I think Baldur's Gate 1 actually has kind of a stronger thematic core. Mm-hmm. There's, like, stuff Baldur's Gate 1 does about, like, can you deny your nature? Mm-hmm. Uh, this also does, but it's a little bit stronger yeah. in the first one. Um, but essentially, so you were an orphan at Candlekeep with Gorion and uh, Imowen. Hi, it's me, Imowen. And mm-hmm. uh, Severok killed your ward and sent you off on this adventure. Right, right. Um, and after you defeated him, you are kind of kicked out of Baldur's Gate because you are also one of these children of murder. Yeah, um, you have divine blood. Yeah. Uh, and this is why you have been uh, kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been kidnapped and you are you wake up in this dungeon. You've been having this nightmare um, about these, this, these grim deeds to come yeah. uh, that, that are happening. And you get your character creation. And when you wake up uh, in this dungeon, you wake up in a cage. Yeah. Uh, and a character who we will learn to be uh, John Irenicus. Um, I love his first name is John. <laughs> very, very funny. Um, Johnny Boy uh, is just torturing you with spells. Yeah. <laughs> and he's talking about your potential and while, you, while you stand in a man-sized jar. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, you get some intruders who arrive uh, to break you out. Uh, it, it's Imuin. Is the is the person kind of your your, your little sister well, she, figure? She doesn't break you out. No, other people come in. No, the the uh, the thing. She's also being. Uh, she was also being tortured. Uh, the the base is under assault. Yes, by the yeah, shadow the thieves who are coming. The shadow thieves who yeah. come and distract uh, him. So she might actually uh, like unlock the cage. I can't remember exactly. Right, but right. she's not the reason why you you get out. Yeah, she's the one who the base gets attacked. She's the one who frees you specifically. Yeah. yeah, and also it's a, 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 by this point when I was making these notes, it was really hard to read the uh, the paper dolls. I didn't know yeah. who, I didn't know what Emmaline looked like on the map. Uh, <laughs> um, um, Emmaline is is a main character, a major character in Baldur's Gate One, uh, who is like ascended, like a fan fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Like she gets a bigger part in this because uh, people loved her so much. Yeah, in yeah. The first one, she's like your um, she's like a sister figure for you. Like that's yeah. one of the motivations for going after her for the major part of the game. Um, yeah, you see both adopted by the same person. Yeah. Uh, and she's useful in this dungeon because she is a combination um, thief and mage mm-hmm. as well. And she's dual classed. Yeah. Um, over to mage and she's a, a good at both. Yes. Um, but we're here because we've been experimented on. That's what we saw. Um, and MON kind of has this, this pain in her skull that she can't quite explain. Um, I was not convinced at the start of how horrible this was. They do a very good job of highlighting just what kind of crimes, uh, Irenicus is committing. 
Yeah, yeah, between his like servants and his various jarred friends. <laughs> yep. You know, like you uh, you come out of this and it does a little bit of that. Um, you know, and the game underlines it. It's not elegant in this. You know, but a little bit of that Dark Souls, like you walk through Gwyn's work and you see who Gwyn is. Mm-hmm. Um, you walk through Ironicus's area and you find out a lot of, about him. Yeah. Even when just straight up says like, "What kind of person would do this?" Like, mm-hmm. it, it's not elegant. It's it's melodrama in a way. It's it's a you know a rollicking D and D adventure. So yeah. they're not allowing the player to kind of come up on that on their own, but they do a good job of expressing the severity of it. Yeah, yeah. They want to give you twin motivations. The the two things they want to do in this first chapter is either make you like Imowen enough to where you feel like you have to rescue her or hate Ironicus enough to where you want to get revenge. Yeah. And I think they succeed in both of those. Yeah. Um, or, you know, either of them can be true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It yeah. doesn't have to be, if you just don't like Imowen, because Imowen's a female video game character. So a lot of people just hate her. Right. Uh, just as, as a matter of principle, mm-hmm. like, Oh, a female voice is annoying to me. Yeah. I hated my mom. You know, the, the, the kind of <laughs> Right. Um, they, uh, then you could just also just, and she does spend a lot of time kind of like, describing the sets of nine inch nails videos essentially to you like just like so many knives yeah in my head burning like there's a lot of that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. So you, if you're not along for that ride for that kind of like we're dealing with kind of an elevated drama here mm-hmm. um it can be difficult yeah I think. um in the same area you have two other party members from the first game you have minsk and jahira uh who mm-hmm. are in cells like yours yep and the, these uh it's really kind of cool they're teaching you two things uh, here to get you here out you have to go get a key so they're just kind of like your inventory go in this other room get a key come mm-hmm. back uh for minsk they're teaching you about um non-direct kind of problem solving mm-hmm. you know so minsk uh you can't the key doesn't work on his cell um he's a very strong fighter he needs to break out um and you have to tease him right um until, until he goes into a berserker rage <laughs> and breaks out himself Yes. Yeah. Um, let's talk about these these characters, I guess. Yeah. Let's Again, talk about let's talk about Jahira first because I, I feel like I have less to say about her, and I want to camp out at least for a little bit on Minsk. Yeah, Minsk as the, as the series mascot. Yeah. It's just worth camping out on. Uh, Jahira is uh, is a neutral druid um, who is very kind of serious. Yeah, uh, she's a member the of the Harpers, and that tells you an awful lot. Yeah, the the Harpers who are. Uh, a neutral uh, organization for neutrality uh, that ultimately ends up doing more good than bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, but is towards neutrality. Um, she is a romance option. Um, she has really robust quest. If you do take her with you, mm-hmm. um, you know, where she gets kidnapped and there's all these kind of things that happen. I never take her. I yeah. just don't like her. Um, she's fine. I just don't think she's very fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just don't think that she has fun interactions with everybody else. Yeah. Um, and her motivation is pretty, um, pretty direct, honestly, because really direct. Yeah, he, here, here in this dungeon, there was another character from the first game. Uh, what was his name? Khalid. Khalid. You you find Khalid who's been tortured beyond recognition. Not just torture, but he was killed, and then Irenicus just, you know, uh, desecrated his body for fun, yeah. essentially. And he, uh, so these two characters are the first two. They're the two characters that Gorion sends you to meet. Mm-hmm. And the first one, so they are like kind of aunt and uncle figures. Okay. Like you could very easily have a very strong attachment to them having done all of, you know, your character definitely does as being a little kid who goes out and meets friends of your dad mm-hmm. who then take care of you. Yeah. You know, but even as a player, you could care a lot about these characters. Yeah. Um, and they both are paired. Minsk is paired as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Minsk's uh, person he's paired with, uh, Dianera, or Dianera, uh, died in the, the kidnapping. Mm. So, uh, and he, he'll kind of make, uh, allusions to this, uh, when you talk to him. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's too, it's too late. He already failed. He's in his, in his culture, 
Um, each of the, these kind of berserker warriors are uh, paired with a witch. Yeah. They have to take care of and they go on this kind of pilgrimage. So he has lost his witch. He's kind of a broken, broken dude. Yeah, he doesn't seem too terribly upset about it. Nope. And he doesn't seem <laughs> he doesn't seem very upset about anything, really. Uh so yeah. <laughs> Minsk, yeah, Minsk. Minsk is a ranger, which is useful, right? Ranger is yeah. a very good class. Like he, he shouldn't have been. Right. They made him a Minsk they made him a ranger because he wanted to have an animal companion. Right. But he should be a berserker. He's pretty much and he has like a berserk skill. His cleric spells are for shit. Like he's not yeah. a good ranger. <laughs> you know, but he's he's essentially a fighter, like a big fighter dude. Yeah. Um, um so he is kind of this embodiment of a, a, a kind of comedy. Uh, yeah, yeah. This worked on me when I was young. Yeah, yeah. Like I won't I won't turn my nose up too much at Mince because when I was a kid and you know, he fit, he's in my party now mm-hmm. in the game because he just fits really well. Yeah. Like I just I need another frontline fighter and I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just uh, I, I can't take Corgan with me. Yeah. Um so he uh, but he's pretty annoying. Um, he, he, part of it is is this the gusto with which the voice performance is done. Yeah, he talk like a Borat. Yeah, he, he does. He does talk like a Borat, <laughs> and he uh, he just he's just real extra. Yeah, you know he's extremely extra, and you get these uh, little uh, your characters. There's a little on a timer. Your companions will check in on your reputation, mm-hmm. and if they like your reputation or if they don't like it, they'll say different things. And his uh, his thing about uh, that he says when he likes your reputation is really really annoying. What is it? Um, and really loud. Or he's like he's just like, uh, emsters and rangers everywhere rejoice or something. Oh, like that. okay, yeah, I saw that. That's uh, dumb. It's it's this very and it's uh, really loud. Yeah. Uh, and so he his whole thing uh, is he's kind of brain damaged, and he has uh, Boo who is a, a hamster. Uh, that he says is a miniature giant space hamster. Like it's a spell jammer. Yeah. Like a spell jammer thing. It's kind of fun. And his cut quest, like it is. Mm-hmm. Like that is what, what Boo is. <laughs> um, and a lot of his uh, companion, his like barks and stuff had to do with Bo- Boo, like throwing Boo at the faces of his enemies and stuff. Yeah, so like yeah. at the table, like this might be kind of fun if your friend was just like not doing the voice uh-huh. and playing this concept of a character. Right. Uh, but I just find I do find him annoying. It just shouts all the time. It's too much. You, just, like, who, you can't have somebody around who's always yelling. <laughs> just period. Yeah. You know what a nightmare. Like you, nobody yell. Nobody yell. <laughs> Everybody quiet, please. Yeah, nobody yell. Like it just it doesn't. You know there are times to yell, and it's not just when you're walking down a hallway. Christ. <laughs> <Minsk. laughs> yeah. You just, you just chill. He's just he's so unreasonably powerful though. Like he's he's extremely strong. He's super useful. His, I mean he he yeah. is MVP in this in this dungeon for sure. Yeah, like he's gonna he's gonna get you know he's gonna do a lot of your kills. Yeah. Um. So it's his whole thing. The kind of he Boo will always take up a slot in his inventory, and you can't do anything with Boo. Mm-hmm. You know, Boo just means he loses an inventory slot. It's kind of a, a balancing thing. Yeah. Uh, for him, but he and he ended up being like a mascot character for the game, yeah. uh, which robs Jan because Jan is funny and also uh, <laughs> kind of kind of nuts. Um, and there are comics I've not read them, but they're like IDW Baldur's Gate comics, and hmm. uh, a lot of them feature Minsk. Yeah, so that could be fun. Like if he was just in a comic and I didn't have to hear him, maybe. Yeah, it's it's really the Sonic part of it. It's yeah. really the the voice, like literally the Sonic part of it, it's the, <laughs> the extraness of it. You know, the Sonic and Sonic Hedgehog part of it. Yeah, the um. There's a, there's a fun little bit here when you take him out because you, you can ask him uh, where did you hide the, the hamster, you know, <laughs> while you're a thing. And uh, he said – like the line is actually kind of fun where he's just like, 
So, you know, some things are better left to the sages. Just know that Boo is so very small and there's so much of me to search. <laughs> or something like that. Like, he, he says it in kind of, and I just, like, I was like, there's a written version of this that I like. Yeah. You know, that, that's kind of like, that's kind of fun. Not, there is very much of me and only so much to search. Like, he, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that line out loud. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, you, you can just imagine. Being, <laughs> okay. And the implication yeah. is Boo has been up his butthole, which is, like, a little weird. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Minxes have more hiding places than men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Minx than men. Yeah. Oh, um, that's how you, how you get him out is you have to do this little dialogue puzzle. Yeah. Um, it's, it's telling you different modes of play. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, where you get the key from to let Jahira out is in the side room that has a jailer golem in it. A lot of the automata and even some of just the other people mistake you for Irenicus. Yeah, where he's like, well, are you I, the master? Yeah, and that, that's cool because Irenicus is underestimated. Like, this whole right. thing, the reason why you're able to escape, like, he never thought you he would ever be attacked. Right, right. You know, he is he is arrogant, and that's a real cliche villain flaw, but it's it's really enacted. Yeah, <laughs> they commit to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but the, you know, the jailer golem warns you about this guardian who is in play here. Uh, and you also see evidence of this attack that has softened up the, um, that, that has softened up the perimeter so you can escape. Yeah. You see all these deceased, uh, shadow thieves and deeper, I guess, more shallow in the dungeon. You find these thieves who are kind of, uh, engaging in combat with, uh, Irenicus's band of rogues that he keeps around to, to staff his place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His various servants and, yeah, yeah. and goblins and stuff. He just kind of hangs out with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. is, is weird. And this is like what we don't, we find this out later, which is kind of cool, a cool reveal, but like this is hidden underground in a city. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he just has like just the idea of this, like all this weird stuff teeming mm-hmm. down here. Like he, he's zoned for a machine that makes lightning methods, <laughs> you know? Um, so you do that. That's again, this is actually doing a really good, like this, uh, this tutorial, much like the uh, temple of trials and fallout two has a really bad reputation. Mm-hmm. And it's because the game is good enough that people replay it. Mm-hmm. So they get sick of it. You know, but like playing it again with a critical eye, like I think it's actually a really good tutorial. Yeah. Um, because they're teaching you. So here you go into this room uh, where there are these lightning methods, um, that will keep being generated until you turn it off. Right. So it, it's showing you that this is not going to be just necessarily like mindless meat combat. You know, you actually have to look and see what's happening. Like you have to pay attention. Yeah. And speaking of somebody who's coming to this fresh, like I reacted much more better, much more better. Um, I reacted to this uh, more favorably than the Temple of Trials because there's a lot of story content in this. That it, it's better than it. the Temple of Trials. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that both of those games, like this is much better than that, but both of them have a slightly unearned reputation just because people play the games over and over. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, uh, Temple of Trials might be, like, if it's your first playthrough, you don't need to mod your way past it. Right. You know, but that's one of the first mods people made. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, after you take care of the lightning methods, uh, you meet a djinn, um, Attica, or Attack, uh, here. I don't know how to pronounce that. There's Attaqua? multiple A's. Attaqua? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Attaqua? Attaqua? Probably no, <laughs> no, you, there's no qua, because there's no, no you. I have no idea. Um, Attaqua. But the, um, who poses you this like prisoner's dilemma question? Oh wait, at, it, it, oh he's he's a jinn who watches over a prison, Attica. Oh, there we go. Yeah, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah good, good, uh, good poll. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. There we go. Continue. To no, it's okay. It. Yeah, it's uh, the uh, so he gives you this like prisoner's dilemma style question, mm-hmm. um, and depending on how you uh, you answer this, and he might just do it regardless of how you you answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, uh, I can't remember. Oh, there actually are like different, uh, different outcomes. Right. But, um, what I did, uh, depends on what you will fight. Yes. You know, like, so he summoned somebody to fight you regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I fought an ogre mage. It was fine. Um, 
Yeah, it just mm-hmm. uh, like I fought a bunch of weak things, like weak little spellcasters. Now I fight a big strong spellcaster. It's good. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is before the uh, actual mage fights. Like once we get to the first real one of those, we'll have to camp out on a little bit because mm-hmm. it's a uh, mages are the major threat in this game. Yeah, um, kind of big meat things, and well, and dragons. Like when you get to dragons, but um, kind of big meat things were the main threat in the first game, and they really upped how powerful mages were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this ogre mage is not a big deal, uh, but later. It will be. So after you complete this task, he says, you have to seek out uh, Rylev and uh, offer him the release that he craves. <laughs> offer him the content that he craves. <laughs> and he, uh, show Rylev the forbidden memes and he will help you out of the dungeon. Yep. <laughs> have you seen this moth? <laughs> those lamps. <laughs> this cat? Yes, oh. master. <laughs> There's a lamp as well. <laughs> 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 Revlev is not uh, is not too far away. Uh, he's in a he, he is also in a man sized jar, a different kind of man sized jar. Yeah, well, it's just a, it's a gigantic. He's got he's got like a battery full of just these these failed clones, and then also people like well, Revlev. Yeah, like fa- failed clones will come later. These yeah. are like weird little servants and stuff. Yeah, yeah, just people and, who and, people who offered up basically their essence in order to be experimented on. Yeah, and the, the, the Revlev is a real sad little story. Like it's not yeah. like you're gonna cry about it, but it's. You know, again, just painting this picture of Ironicus, where uh, Ironicus like offered his own you know, servitude for immortality, but then once Ironicus didn't need him anymore, he just forgot him. Yeah, <laughs> and Rylev has no idea whether he's alive or dead. Like, you know, it's all pain mm-hmm. uh, at this point. Yeah, you know, and, he, and, just... and he trusted Ironicus. He trusted the master. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ironicus, bad dude. Yeah. Um, he says, "Hey, take the power cells uh, from a jar to kill me. You do so and give him relief." Uh, mm-hmm. Your whole party comments on this. Um, and then with this, uh, you can also grab this activation uh, stone here mm-hmm. to uh, to do the power a, that, that's to for later. You have the you have yeah, the power cell toss to the tortured ones. Yeah, yeah. the activation stone will allow you to uh, unleash the uh, sewer the sewer golem, the janitor. <laughs> right. Um, but you go over to another room full of uh, people in jars. Yeah. Essentially, other specimens, and you can talk to them. They can't hear you. Right. But they just kind of they're just being tortured well yeah i mean and they've only ever had irenicus here before so they are just immediately launching into accusations and reading the riot act uh to who they assume is irenicus and they have no power and you have no power to free them right like it is just this this tragic travesty that continues even to this day yeah um even when you have the powers of the ball the ball (laughs) you can't go down and free these people nope nope yeah uh, eventually you find the sewer golem who's really just kind of the foreman the person who actually does the uh who actually does the dirty work is the guardian um yeah. you issue the command so he'll open up the hatch and go in and uh it's an ought to you yep yep so there's a dungeon ecology here yes um you know irenicus throws all his trash and shit uh, <laughs> in this thing for this this critter to eat yes um, this, um this, this is an okay fight uh this is kind of the introduction to poison and status effects more generally Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the ways, so your character will have a bunch of uh, inherent abilities, your main character will. Mm-hmm. And it, I think all alignments start with slow poison. Okay. And slow poison, and this always confused me, uh, just neutralizes poison. Yeah. You can you can learn slow poison and neutralize poison, and they both <laughs> neutralize poison. Yeah. Um, I think slow poison just stops it from hurting you long enough for it to wear off is mm. the, like, in-universe explanation. Yeah, but the time scales um, are so so weird that, yeah. Yeah, and and poison. It's kind of it's kind of a bummer. Like poison and disease have the same symbol, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're wildly different. Yeah, yeah. Disease is real serious. Like, yeah, you can't stop it with a poison release thing. You have a special potion, and a disease is a real big deal. Yeah, um, I usually end up waiting it out and just like burning all my healing spells because mm-hmm. uh, disease is a big deal. Um, you're in the this whole thing is very like dungeon and creepy lab, but afterwards you find this like beautiful bedroom. Yeah. 
uh, full of traps, which is really interesting. Um, and uh, this is, you know, this is living quarters. Yeah, uh, it is a, a full living quarters. You know, even though we are living underground, you want to have a bedroom and you want it to look out on something nice. So there's this like forest glade out here, mm-hmm. complete with yeah. dryads, because why not? Yep, which which Ironicus has trapped these dryads there to like keep this forest, uh, you know, alive, right? Uh, and, and going so, and this actually plays into his story, which we'll learn later. Yeah. Um, and they say like, hey, you know, we're trapped. The only way we can be freed is if you take these acorns, take them to our queen. They'll plant new trees, and we can teleport to those trees. Right. Um, so this is way in the future. This is saying uh, again, the game's teaching you a lot during this first dungeon. Um, this is hinting at the scope. Yeah. Of what you're going to do, because this isn't a quest you go do now. This is a quest you solve mm. 10 hours later, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like depending on when you go to Windspear here at Hills, but you can do that in any order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is something that happens way later. Yeah. And also it's asking you to trust these creatures, right? You know, mm-hmm. everything else has been so, so hostile. You have to believe that they're not going to turn on you. Yeah. Yeah. And just, again, it's also showing how terrible, uh, you know, Ironicus is. Yeah. Uh, um, they also, they warn you about the mistresses. Chambers. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is really kind of great. Like he set up this, uh, this room, uh, you know, this, this mistress here, mm-hmm. uh, for this, and it's this, this totally trapped, like, you know, beautiful ladies room. Yeah. Canopy bed and such. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you go in, it triggers an alarm, uh, which brings yeah. in some lesser clay golems. Like these are the first real, uh, kind of damage sponges that you fight. Yeah. And regular clay go- full clay golems are a real problem. Yeah. And this lesser clay golems are Okay. Yeah. Um, and Imowen, this is where Imowen was tortured right. often. Yeah. Uh, and even when Irenicus was not, uh, torturing her here, he was just describing it. So she's having, you know, traumatic flashbacks. So lots of stuff that we're seeing here. It's, 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 it's kind of, uh, a, a, a reasonable, uh, reaction to what she's been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but specifically this, um, yep. additionally, like when we find Khalid's body, it, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Which yeah. we'll, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, there's a library which you had to go through, and we meet uh, the Duergar, the Duergar, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Deep Dwarves, who also serve. That's one of the classes of enemies you run into here. Yeah. Uh, and they serve Ironicus as well, and they're loyal. They're not uh, being tortured by him or anything like that. No, no. They act as, uh, they, they act as smiths for him because they're evil. They're Duergar. Mm-hmm. You know, they're creatures, yeah. of the, creatures of the Underdark. Yeah. There's goblins as well, which we didn't really talk about, but they're yeah, kind of around. Scattered about. <laughs> Just scattered, ambient scattered goblins. About. Yeah, he's the ambient goblins. He's playing a uh, dungeon keeper. There's just some gobs <laughs> running yeah. around. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, an air, ele- air elemental from the uh, mistress's quarters opens this door forward. Um, mm-hmm. So this actually is kind of like a little side area. This leads me to be- led me to believe that I was on an airship. I have no idea mm-hmm. what's going on here because you step out on a wing and you're just above. You're just a- in the sky. You're, you're like above a black void. Yeah. So I think this is this is the elemental plane of air. Okay, okay. that you are in. Yeah, uh, that you go out through because I I think this is I mean it's not totally clear they could have done more with this but I think this is just showing Ironicus is big time mage. Yeah, yeah, he has access to this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, you know you 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 clear out some methods and you find a genie who says, hey, I've got something of yours. You have to break him free by finding his original flask. You get that from the Dryads, and again, you have to trust him. It gets you a plus two Sword of Chaos, which Minx mm-hmm. owns with. So Yeah, yeah. Yep, and having a plus two weapon now is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that is true about second edition um, is, like, minimum. So an enemy will need plus two or plus three weapons to be hit. Yeah. Uh, there. So having, um, you know, getting up to a plus three relatively quickly is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you'll, you'll run into enemies that you need plus three. 
things. A little pro tip, and this this serves for you as well, Cole, but for people who are listening, um, Melf's Minute Meteors, hmm. the spell hits as a plus five. Oh, damn. So you can uh, always have your casters have that up, and you can get through. I mean, they don't hit very well because their Thacko is shit. <laughs> right. um, but you can do, you know, memorize a full suite of castings of that and usually plink down mm-hmm. uh, things that are, you know, that require too, too high a level weapon to hit. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, you move up to the – use that key, that teleport key to teleport up to the second floor mm-hmm. uh, here. And you meet somebody immediately. You meet a character named Yoshimo. Right. Uh, who is a the only pure thief uh, that you get in the game. Uh, he is a bounty hunter is his class. So he is good at setting traps. Yeah. And uh, as you get uh, – traps are kind of interesting in this game. Um, they're really cool. They, they play towards this tactical thing. They ignore magic resistance. Um and high-level traps have, do really high-level things. Hmm. Like a high-level bounty hunter can have a trap that casts time stop. <laughs> Good uh, God. a ninth-level spell that is just, like, really godly. Like, just allows you to do things. Yeah, You yeah. know, like, the, the enemy is frozen for a certain amount of time, and you just do whatever you want hmm. while that's happening. Um, so he's actually really useful. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was captured by Arenicus. He slept in. in uh, you can ask him, like, hey, where are we? Yeah. yeah. He's like, well, I think we're in Athkatla. But I don't know how sleeping. long I was knocked out, so. Yep. So who actually knows? Right, right. Um, he will join your party, kind of mm-hmm. rounding out a little bit, bringing up to five. Yeah. I like Yoshima. He's good. Yeah. Yoshima's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So offer to let him in. He gives us some information. Um, he says, hey, there are some uh, portals ahead. There's a room full of portals. They're going to bring in some methods. And there's also a room full of these lockdown wands uh, that are kind of guarding the escape. So yep. uh, letting us know a little bit what to re- what to prepare for. And in that next room, this portal room, there are similar to the uh, Mephit machine before. There are these Mephits being of different types, different elements. These little imps uh, being summoned in, and you have to put somebody on destroying duty, yeah. destroying the portals while everyone else holds off the uh, the Mephits. Um, again, just kind of giving you an idea of this variety of combat. Um, this is the room where Khalid was was tortured. Yeah, um, and the hero kind of loses it, uh, which is kind of kind of crazy. Like, yeah, given how stoic you know, she has like, been up to this point. Yeah. And does not, uh, will not allow, you can't console her. Right. She's inconsolable about it. Like you can, the only thing you can say that will make her happy is we will get like vengeance. Yes. On this. But you're, this is the first time your party members will interact with each other. Imoen will try to, uh, tell her she, you know, she understands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jihiro will rightly say, like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> not the time. In morning, yeah. Not the time. Like, in someone's in mourning, like, you don't do that. You don't, like, oh, the world's actually not that bad. <laughs> you know, because, uh, did you know that, you know, Water supplies are up twenty percent. Um, you know, there's just there's a time and a place to do things, um, and the uh, so Imowen kind of steps on that thing, and then Imowen kind of like blue screens, like she has these kind of almost like trances, yeah, you know, where she's remembering things. She's like, actually, no, I do know what happened. I do understand. Yeah, like I, I watched the body be desecrated. Like I was here mm-hmm. for this. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't torture. This was superfluous. This was not yeah. to an end. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, here you go into the next room, and here is where we have our, our failed clone room. Uh, here, there's an assassin, a, a shadow thief, fighting a failed clone. Mm-hmm. And she believes that you are actually Ironicus mm-hmm. um, and attacks. And there are all these sections. This is you know setting up his backstory for later. Uh, this kind of intrigue of him cloning uh, the, the mistress right here. Yeah, and not doing a very good job of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's descriptions of these. A lot of this is very tabletop where it's text-based. Like you have mm-hmm. a little question mark, and you hover over things, and you click on it, you'll read about it. Yeah. And instead of you know, graphically showing these failed clones, it will describe them. Yeah. Uh, gnarly stuff. Yeah. yeah. You find a, th- the, a throne room that has some enemies in it. Uh, it's great because they walk into those wand traps. Throughout this dungeon, yeah. you have been finding, like, 
uh, key to the wand of, you know, lightning bolt, et cetera. Um, yep. and they are set up, you know, in a line kind of in these bands as you approach the, uh, as you approach the throne and you, you need to have somebody go in and, um, uh, unlock those wands and you get them and wands are, you know, incredibly useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, these ones, since they're, they're kind of high-level wands, they have one charge on them mm-hmm. uh, as their whole thing. But if you ever want to recharge a wand, you can sell it and buy it back. Yeah. Um, that's how you recharge a wand, and it will uh, cost a lot more because mm-hmm. a wand's price is directly related to how many charges it has. But it gives you access to like, license to buy them, essentially. Right. Which is cool. Um, after you get through this room, um, you go, there's this little side room where there's a character who's being, uh, who is uh, captured. Yeah. He's, like, he's in a terrarium. Yeah, he's a, he's in a terrarium here, which is should be your first clue uh-huh. that maybe something's going on with uh, Frenadin. Yeah, um, <laughs> he starts out as an old man uh, appealing to your mercy. You know, just uh, let me out of this jar. It's terrible. Um, if you yeah. say no, and you or... can just say yes at any point. Like you can just be yeah, and then he'll follow you out for a little while until he betrays you. Right. And you can you can express skepticism. Yeah, or if you just ask him any questions at all, uh, he'll say, "Okay, this isn't working." Then he turns into a young boy, <laughs> like a, like a little yeah. urchin. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and this turns out he's a doppelganger. Um, which doppelgangers are great, and they are um, primary uh, antagonist in Baldur's Gate One. Your your character uh, can even say, "I've had enough of doppelgangers." So get to yeah, the point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The um, and this is just kind of a little nod to Baldur's Gate One. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are there isn't a heavy doppelganger presence in Baldur's Gate Two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, as you continue kind of forward, leaving, uh, you run to this vampire named Wolverill. Um, she's fighting some assassins, and they we find out who they are. This is where they get a name. They're the Shadow Thieves. Yeah. And they are looking for Irenicus as well. Mm-hmm. And don't seem to be too fond of vampires as well. Uh, Uvaril will uh, escape unless you make a real point to kill her quickly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you are kind of not kitted to fight vampires right now. No. Um, like, spoiler, like, you will fight vampires in this game, mm-hmm. and they require, like, a kind of a specific loadout. Yeah, they're a big deal. So. Like. Yeah, vampires are tough stuff. And you also fight the rest of the, the Duergar yep. uh, there. Yeah. Um, as you eventually find the exit, um, <laughs> you leave. Um, you get this, this narration, essentially just summing up what happened. Mm-hmm. And you find out uh, Irenicus, Irenicus has left. You busted open this hole <laughs> in this, like, major marketplace. You're, like, in you the know, center of the one. city, like, at the center of this bazaar where a circus is happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's the, it's the, it's the city center. And yeah. that's where he, he had his, uh, his lab underneath that. Uh-huh. And uh, he starts doing his his village speech or his villain speech, not his mm-hmm. village speech. Um, and he's just like mowing down people. Yeah, this is especially weird if you have gore turned on because he is giving people left and right. He, yeah, he gives people like like nuts. One <laughs> of the things I love is just like a minor uh, Easter egg in the Baldur's Gate games is that uh, there's a chant that happens when you cast a spell and it's specific to the School of Magic. Oh, yeah. That happens. So it's always the same. You know, it's not like Irenicus is voicing these things mm-hmm. but you get to like whenever they have to show magical violence it's always it's a little dorky and stilted mm-hmm. you know because they're just little little guys little tiny like one inch tall guys yeah. that uh will do this little chant and somebody will blow up <laughs> next to them but it's just kind of fun like i i it's like i find it very quaint yeah and that's that's what's happening here there's a lot of uh we get a lot of cutscenes of ironicus doing that yeah um, yeah. But, you know, we, we, we kind of see how harried he is. He did not expect this attack from the Shadow Thieves. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of uh, it just kind of messed up all of his plans. You know, and, he, yeah, and he's yelling. I, I was very unclose. Like, yeah, I was very close to unlocking uh, your, your, the, the ball spawn. Yes. Your, your name, your character, their power. Uh, right. They are the godchild. I was, clo- I was so close and you guys fucked it up. Yes. 
Um, yeah. and as he's about right, get, as he's about ready to deal with you, um, Imowen notably fires off uh, a magic missile at him. Um, yeah. and then some mages appear and say, Hey, this just, this discharge of magical energy, uh, is happening without sanction. We need to take you to, to mage prison. Yeah. You got, you got to go to mage jail, my friend. You have to go to Spellhold. Um, and Irenicus, because he is like a 12th dimensional chess master, mm-hmm. like he didn't expect this interruption, but he rolls with it. Yeah. And he says, you know, I insist you take the girl as well. Yeah. She like, can use magic outside. You have to take us both. I'll go peacefully after he like blows up a guy too. Like he's, yeah. you know, you get the sense that the cowled wizards are no, uh, no problem for him. Right. Right. Um, um, and they are like, they're the law in these parts. Like they basically yep. control Athkatla, um, and yep. are a big deal in, um, in general. And you, and then you lose Emma and they, they teleport away. Yeah. So uh, your little yeah. sister is gone. And also the person who tortured you, uh, for an indeterminate amount of time is gone as well. Yep. And you know, who motivated, uh, in the attack recaptured you. That's what killed Minsk's, uh, witch, uh, the person who killed Khalid. So everybody who's there now has motivated the person who interrupted Yoshima's nap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, everybody has a motivation now. Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, and as you're, you're saying there, just so, you know, to give you your bearings and stuff, a man named Lyra approaches. And says, like, yeah, you know, that that's what happens. You can't use magic in, uh, in the streets. In Ath- <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's Athcatla. <laughs> yeah, it's Athcatla time. Um, and way, the way this works in the game is that you can't use, you can't use magic on the streets. Uh-huh. Um, you can use magic uh, inside inns and stuff. Mm-hmm. You just nobody can see it. And you can eventually buy a license if you want. You yeah. can go, like, buy, uh, buy the – get them to look the other way. There's actually, like, I only did this once. I did during my last game. I didn't do it here. If you are just ballsy as hell – um, and if you kill enough called wizards, mm-hmm. uh, you can, you can use whatever magic you want because they, they will, <laughs> they, they, will stop, they will stop trying to stop you. That's awesome. Um, and they're nasty. Like they keep showing up. So you have to kind of like really prepare for it and be like, okay, you know, I'm doing it. No. Like this, this is the time. Uh, cause eventually they summon a demon and oh. you have to like kill this demon. If you kill the demon, like they just stop. They're just like, okay, you do what you want. <laughs> That's amazing. You're, you're the, you're the elephant in the room. Like, you know, <laughs> you know what does, where does an elephant sit? You know, you, you get to sit wherever you like. Right. <laughs> uh, and not recommended for when you first leave the dungeon. No, no. Um, but Lur gives a little bit of background. You know, there's this war between the thieves and this new guild that has popped up. That's probably what we saw happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can reasonably surmise. You know that there were thieves, the shadow thieves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a nearby Omnian soldier says, like, yeah, MOM would not have been taken to the city jail, like any place that I know or could take you. The cowl, the cowl wizards have their own lockdown for mages because how do you lock somebody up who has a knock spell? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So that's why you have, so you have your kind of proper nouns for this is what to look into. Like the shadow thieves, there's a mysterious new guild. The cowl wizards have your, your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, they recommend that you go over to the Copper Coronet in the slums. Yeah, this is the place district. where where Yoshimo was sleeping. Yes, where he's sleeping, and also just uh, where if you dismiss a party member, they'll often go here. This is kind of the adventurers in yeah. uh, here, and uh, your your party will tell you to go here. And when you get there, you meet a man named Galen Bale. Flies you down, and he has he keeps going coo. <laughs> like he's a pigeon uh, man. He's he's doing like little thief calls. Like he's always telling you that there are guards coming. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or it's like uh, in a uh, bottle rocket. Oh, oh, yeah. like <laughs> um, he says, like, listen, you know, I know somebody who can tell you where Imowen and Ironicus were taken. I can't tell you the name of the organization. Uh, they'll help you, but it's going to cost 20,000 gold. It's a lot. And you can say, oh, my God, how about 15,000? He goes, nope. <laughs> You're asking us to cross the called, called wizards. Uh, I guarantee this is what you need to be doing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and no real choice. Yep. yep. 
uh, you have to raise this money because you have no, you're a stranger in a strange land. Yes. You know, you have no, uh, no way to do this. And we do get a little cutscene of Ironicus and Imwin standing in front of a council of called wizards. And, uh, he, Ironicus is impatient with them again. Like he, <laughs> you, you, there are hints that he is doing this on purpose. You know, this is his game. Right. right. Uh, and they get summoned or banished to a place called Spellhold, which you won't see for, you know, 20 hours or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, this sets up the, the remit of the chapter two of the game, which I think is genius, um, is that the, it, is the Ludo di- narrative distance slayer that is just like, Hey, do side quests because you need money. Yeah. <laughs> That's so it's so simple. Yeah. Like there's you know? no, there's no time pressure. I mean, there is because somebody that you love is in jail. Um, yeah. you, you know, so you, you don't want them to be in jail for very long, but it's not like the end of the world is coming. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not like a, an army is on the march you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's yeah. like, no, just like go out and find your own work. Like there, there is work to do in this big fantasy city. Yeah. And, in, and they in give the you city a, of gold, you know, yeah, and they, yeah, exactly. And they give you a, uh, like the number that you have to get is, is significant mm-hmm. and it is meant to feel overwhelming and right. that you're going to have to do a lot. And this is just, I mean, we're going to talk about the actual content of this in the next episode because we're, we're almost done here. Mm-hmm. But the, um, I love just the way this, uh, the treadmill this puts you on mm-hmm. because you go and you do a quest and you get a big chunk yeah. towards uh, doing this thing. Like you, with all the stuff you sell and your rewards, like, Oh, I came back from this like $12,000. That's more than halfway there. But no, and you got to you cover go, your supplies. <laughs> you got to cover your supplies. And then you find out, Oh, like you want me to go actually, uh, there's a cult in the sewer. Like I have to go, <laughs> man, I'm going to have to be pretty kitted out for that. Well, I'm going to go spend 10,000 of that yeah. <laughs> on new gear. And this is how you get more powerful. Yeah. Like the game wants you to do that. You're not supposed to save up. And then once you get to the 20,000, you're just done. Like they want to put you on this treadmill. And mm-hmm. like, if you do everything, you don't have to worry about money. Like I left the city with 55,000 and yeah. I have 90,000 now just yeah. from like doing things like you will get enough money. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is not very much money. For, for as much as the economy is a big part of this middle section, I, you know, it, is it correct to assume that you do fall into the same, like money stops meaning, meaning anything after a certain point kind of a economy yeah, I problem? Have, I have so much money. Yeah. yeah. Like um, it happens near kind of the, uh, cause they, uh, you buy big shit, mm-hmm. you know, like the, uh, there are some really pricey items that are really good. Um, you know, so what the rhythm I was in generally was I would go do a, a major side quest, come back and be able to buy one of the like the big ticket good things and totally resupply and mm-hmm. maybe buy like a minor thing. Yeah. But usually buy like one of the really big ticket, awesome, you know, 20,000 gold things. Right. Um, you know, and yes, I could just like then go to the, the Shadow Thieves or go to the, you know, the other faction. And uh, it's spoiler, it's the Shadow Thieves, yeah. or the faction that Galen Bale works for, um, go there and actually start the thing. But also, I just knew you, there's, there's, a, there's a version in the narrative that's like, I mean, I saw how powerful Irenicus was. I walked through his works. I'm going to need to be powerful for this. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, hey, uh, I need to raise money. It's also I need to gain strength. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it, you're just really well motivated in that. And I just like, I can't, you know. I, I bag on this as a decision law, and it's actually something I like, but like, man, in, in Fallout 4, where the remit of Fallout 4 is that you have to go rescue your son, your your son, uh, the, one of the DLCs is you going and rescuing somebody else's son, <laughs> like somebody else's kid. Like, you could you could take a break to go rescue another kid. Well, you need to, like, it's we, so dumb. Sometimes you like, might want to just work out a practice kid, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. maybe I'm going to get my rescuing <laughs> shoes on. Yeah. You know? You got to build up to your own kid. How do video games get so bad at this? <laughs> Like in, in like the twenty years or whatever, like video games I, suck about were, that now. Were they, like were they just, good about it before this? Like 
I don't, I don't know. In Baldur's <laughs> Gate 1, it made a lot of sense. You were always kind of being sent somewhere. You didn't have to, like, raise money, but right, you were right. always being kind of – you didn't – it was more like they handled it through directionlessness. Right, right. You know, but, like, compare this even with something like uh, like Morrowind, which, like, you, you always have that, like, you could get stronger mm-hmm. as a thing. But you also – there's a real sense of urgency in Morrowind. Yeah. You know, this is the perfect – kind of setup because there is a sense of urgency mm-hmm. but the pacing in this game is so good like it flows in a way like you're always doing something different the quests don't take that long to do the, the even these kind of major ones are like a session you know and you uh then you're on to something new and interesting with new monsters and stuff and uh when the quiz act- the, the pace actually quickens when you actually get to the the, the more railroady part mm-hmm. uh, of things it it stops doing that yeah like you stop and then like spoiler like and this is useful for you to know is that you eventually come back to the city you leave yeah, the city yeah. and come back you can do everything that you didn't do the first time when you come back and when you come back you explicitly have a let's gather strength and allies yeah kind of thing so you have reason to go do this stuff again yeah, like so you go pick up the pieces yeah. you're always giving you reasons to do that that like exist within the narrative and it just really elegant mm-hmm. really really good um yeah uh, also buy the glasses of identification from Galen Bale's buddy. Uh, fuck yeah. I forgot to, uh, <laughs> and had an annoying time identifying things for yeah, a long time. I, I, I appreciated oh. your, uh, your, your little pro tip on that. And yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, three identifies per day, three hots on a cot and <laughs> identifies. <laughs> and you're able to tell if the cot is cursed. Yeah. <laughs> the cursed cot of backbiting, like the cursed, <laughs> like, like cursed, like a, like a, like a sleeping on a, a, a pullout bed. Yeah. It's cursed. <laughs> the cursed cot. Yeah. The Hardy boys really, uh, they kind of lost their way toward the end. Yeah. The cursed cot was not that like, I don't care if the Hardy boys had a bad night of sleep, you know, it just doesn't bother me that much. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's the, uh, the beginning and generalities of Baldur's Gate. Next episode is going to be spicy. We're going to be talking about everything in Ath Catla. Yes. That you do before you uh, align with a guild. Um, episode three is going to be uh, chapters, you know, everything after that when you leave the city. And then episode four will be the end game. Yes. Um, just, looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. also the, the listener responses are going to be bundled up in number four. Yeah. So that might also be a spicy episode. Yeah. So uh, so buckle up, motherfuckers. Baby. Um, if you uh, if you have responses, hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact mm-hmm. uh, before the 15th. Yes, uh, what else happens on the 15th? Um, but, oh, duck shit, stream. Gary. Yeah, no, Duckstream. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you, you caught me off guard. Yeah. yeah. Um, so be prepared for both. Have your have your responses ready and also be prepared to watch 48 hours of video game streaming from your friends at DuckFeed uh, to benefit the Transactive Gender Center, the fifth anniversary, the fifth annual yeah. Duckstream. The big 05. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll have uh, information, places to donate up. Uh, on, on our website and, and hit, you know, look up social media yeah, uh, to see that. Um, really excited about that. If you have things to say about what we're talking about in January, mm-hmm. which is River City Ransom, Owlboy, or Final Fantasy X, hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact as well by the 15th of January. Gary, the, 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 the sad thing is now that I have a kitty cat, I can't do the confetti cannon anymore. Oh, yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah. You have to find something. You have to do a treat cannon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> can, can I put up some kind of like treat shirt? And every time I, yeah. every every time we hit a milestone, I put on the treat shirt, and then Greta I, just crawls all over me. You can be, you can be, if you can make a treat shirt. <laughs> I feel like you tell another man if you can make a treat shirt. I think you just, you just believe in them. They, they, they you just, you just actualize it. Yeah, visualize um, and actualize the treat shirt. Yeah, make a treat shirt. Um, you know, you want to see a treat shirt. <laughs> We'll figure the, um, it out. Yeah, so there, there will be some kind of treat clothes. Um, 
enjoy the treat clothes on that day. Uh, if you like us, if you you know like what we do and you like that we're doing this game and you like that we're doing, uh, you know, we're able to, uh, you know, pay our rent and stuff and, and do this kind of this work mm-hmm. uh, for things, you can support us directly if you go to uh, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Yes, and I appreciate everybody who has done that so far and everybody who will take a look uh, as, a re- as a result of listening to this. Yeah, yeah, really, really do appreciate it. Yeah. So I, I uh, hopefully you guys will come take that, take a look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also uh, rate and review the show mm-hmm. on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you find it. Yeah, talk about uh, us on blogs, social media, message boards, things like that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Extremely helpful. Um, yeah, I think that's probably about it. I think so. Oh. Um, yeah, so until next time, uh, what should they watch out for? I mean, John Arenica seems like a real bad seed, so... Yeah. Yeah. Alternatively, who is Boodog? Sigh, here's our boy. A den of stinking evil. Cover your nose, boo. We will leave no crevice untouched. Ah, <whistles> uh, we are all heroes. You and boo and I. Hamsters and rangers everywhere. Rejoice! <whistles> boo likes the forest. Boo must have his exercise, lest he bite us all in hard-to-reach places. But kicking for goodness! Cities always teem with evil and decay. Let's give it a good shake and see what falls out! Flowers are beautiful, aren't they, Boo? I wish there were more to see. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, watch it! I'm huge! Full plate and fucking steel! Go for the eyes, Boo! Go for the eyes! Rask! I grew tired of shouting battle cries when fighting this mage. Boo will finish his eyeballs once and for all, so he does not rise again. Evil, meet my sword! Sword meet evil. I need it soon. Lest my hamster become orphan. If I continue with this. I'll never look more in the eyes again.